Hey everyone, it's Friday night and it's game face time. We got a great show for you guys tonight. E3 is cracking open its doors to everybody. Matt, we're gonna talk about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> and a good idea or a bad idea for you to go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm gonna tell you what I think about Neo because you know Shane's not playing that. Hell no, but I am playing the For Honor beta and we're gonna talk about that. Let's go. Greetings everyone, hope everyone's cracking a beer. It is Friday night all around the world. It is miserable weather here in LA. Has been for like two months now. Yeah, we need it. We actually got like a winter this year, which yeah. just means it's raining. Yeah, winter in LA is just rain, but it's nice to see it for the first time in like 10 years. Yeah, which also means that it takes a really long time to drive anywhere. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when it rains here, it's it's like when I lived on the East Coast and we would get like a foot of snow. That's how people right. drive, it's insane. There are people who stay home. Oh, yeah. From work when it rains here, yeah, like yeah. that's that's a how wussy we are, and b how bad it is out there because man, you it's basically like you go out there on a free one, it's raining, you're basically playing pinball with Priuses. Yeah, it's it's terrible. But what's not terrible is Game Face, and we got a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, we're gonna start off with an update on Marcus. Hopefully, you guys saw the messaging on the site and some of the stuff I posted on Twitter. But Marcus has had a miraculous recovery. And, and uh, the EMTs are calling it a one in a million. It is insane. Marcus, it, it's almost like nothing ever happened. It's mm -hmm. really incredible. I'm not a religious guy, um, but calling it anything else but a miracle is probably not the right verbiage to use. It is undoubtedly uh, one of the most incredible medical things I've ever seen. Definitely the life. royal flush of, of uh, heart yeah. attacks. Yeah. Recoveries. Yeah. And he's lost 15 pounds. Yeah, because he, so, uh, he was eating, so look he was for, living yeah, off he, of an yeah, IV. Yeah, he had another, so he's, uh, he's going to write that diet book. Uh, look for that, the new Hollywood fad coma diet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about that earlier today. Yeah, but I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you guys. Um, you know, we, we put up a donation program for Marcus. The target was $20,000 because that was what they were going to have to pay out of pocket after their insurance, which is a whole other story. Um, and it almost ended up hitting $40,000. So to each and every one of you who donated to the fund, thank you so much. Um, Marcus, I don't know if you guys maybe have seen it on Twitter. He is very thankful for everything that everyone has done. Um, he's laying a little bit low right now, understandably. I think he's still trying to get his bearings a little bit. Yeah. You don't, you don't come back. I mean, he was dead for like 10 minutes. Yeah. So like, you, you got you to gotta work your way back up to fury again. Yeah. So, like, but uh, no, he's doing well. And, uh, you know, making regular posts on Facebook and Twitter and uh, yeah. seems to be intact. Yeah. And I have been in contact with him uh, personally and he's very, very thankful for everything you guys did for him. His, his, his own words were, were it's something I will never, ever forget. So thanks to any of you guys, even if you didn't donate, even if you just sent positive vibes his direction, um, you know, everything counts. You know, positive attitude makes a big difference. And I know his wife as well is very thankful for everyone's support. Uh, both financially and emotionally. So, awesome work, everybody. We show what the community can do and we all band together. Once again, I might add, uh, you're just a group of awesome people. So, thank you. Marcus thanks you. His wife thanks you. And I'm sure we'll be hearing that from him personally in the very near future. And Spike, his dog, thanks you. Oh, yeah. Well, he's the real hero. Spike. The yeah. Spike saved his life. His dog, Spike, saved his life, without a doubt. Yep. It's really insane. So, <laughs> get a dog. Get a dog. I'm still not getting a dog, by the way. <laughs> But anyway, let's get on with the show, the proper. 
Uh, first thing we're going to talk to you guys about tonight is a game that Matt has been playing, and I have not mm -hmm. been playing. And had a little bit of a conversation about it before we kicked off the show. I'm yeah. starting to maybe lean a little bit towards giving it a try. Yeah. Um, you are a Team Ninja fan from I am of a, old. Yep, and you know I've I basically lived with those guys for two weeks at a certain point, mm -hmm. doing a documentary with those guys. I know them all very well. Of course, that was it when Itagaki was with them, and he's right. long since departed. Um, so I do have kind of a special affinity for them. Just mm -hmm. they're great people, in all honesty. They, and, their and hospitality was, they showed me. And, and back with Ninja Gaiden One on the Xbox, uh, there was sort of a flip situation where I didn't like it very right. much, and you loved it, right. and you were like, "Try it, keep trying." And it took until I finished it, and I started a new playthrough, and going back through the pre the early levels, now knowing what I'd learned playing through the whole game, all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah, like I finally it clicked. You know, just like Dark Souls, it finally clicked. Well, see, point. that's something that, has, that is convincing me to give it a try. Is is you were saying that it feels a bit like Ninja Gaiden's combat? Yeah, I mean, you can you can feel the pedigree in there. It's it's definitely a Dark Souls you know outgrowth, uh, but it's got enough Ninja Gaiden, Team Ninja kind of sensibility to it. It's much faster. Uh, it's it, it I think you'll you'll kind of identify with the controls a little better because it's not on the shoulder buttons. Right. It's on the face buttons. It's a little more. You know, give and take in terms of defense and offense. Uh, there's a lot more. Um, you know, the, like you have a you have a guardian spirit that you can like lo you know, load up the uh, the the you fill up the meter and then when the meter's full, you can activate a legendary weapon, which kind of makes your your weapon all magic inf infused with your guardian spirit. And you and you have like you know your life bar turns into the guardian spirit meter and it runs out automatically slowly and it runs gotcha. it, it runs out faster if you get hit. But you are invincible through that whole time and doing extra damage so it's sort of like we get you get to a boss you get to a tough part you activate the legendary uh weapon mode and you kind of you kind of have a little get out of jail free card that just doesn't really exist in dark souls or bloodborne something we never really thought about was ninja gaiden like the first like dark souls really i mean it's there's there's parallels to be made there i think uh, in... i mean if you think back to it like those boss fights had these crazy long health bars mm -hmm. and you had to chip away there was no like you could get killed by a random guy, just, yep. you know, even that first level. Like, One you mistake. got careless. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I like Ninja Gaiden is because I felt like the combat was, was just razor-sharp, responsive, and immediate, and impactful. Mm. And what's kind of turned me off to the Souls games and Bloodborne is that everything's a little more, like, deliberate and slow, mm. and, and in my opinion, a little clumsy. Um, so I'm starting to maybe turn the tide a little bit on this and maybe thinking about giving it a go. One thing I should have mentioned before we even started discussing this game is that that's my seventh round draft pick right there. Yep, that it's, is, it's scoring like a first round. Draft it pick. is. I uh, at first everyone was giving it like perfect score, so at first its Metacritic was like <laughs> ninety two or something like that. I was like, oh my god, this is like the best draft pick in the history of fantasy yeah. video game fantasy, and it started coming down over time. Of course, that's only three years because we've only done it for three years. It still might end up being one of the best picks yeah. that uh, we've had, but the score is slowly starting to come down now. Yeah. It's down to like an eight seven or something like that. I, did, I was, you know, I thought about picking. I was hesitant because I was worried that like reviewers would just be like, "Oh, it's just a Dark Souls wannabe," and it's not going. You know, I think that's also why you had it lower than yeah. maybe the other one because I was just worried about maybe some backlash for it being so similar. But it takes a formula and it makes it its own, and I really like it. I, I think it's great. Um, I don't think it's you know there's a couple places where like I know that like I've died and I knew I know I wouldn't have died in a Dark Souls game because uh -huh. Dark Souls would have gotten the hitbox right or the the dodge would have worked better or whatever. I'm surprised to hear that. Um, but uh, but it's super it's like 99 percent of the way there in terms uh -huh. of qu matching quality. 
Um, the other thing I think... Uh, what are the differences between... That's what I think a lot mm-hmm. of people want to know. Is what, are, what are the differences between Neo and Dark Souls slash Bloodborne? I think it's, uh, it's much faster, I think. Uh, I mean, you can play Dark Souls fast, obviously, if you want. But like Dark Souls, you know, most people, I think, play it with the, with the sword and the shield. And, uh, you know, kinda, you kind of like turtle your way through the game. Uh, that's not how I played Dark Souls 2. I played it as a crazy mage. But, like, um, you know, your kind of initial... The initial play of, ga- of of Dark Souls for someone who's getting into it tends to be very defensive. Uh, Neo doesn't really let you, you... You use up so much stamina blocking in this game that it's not really a feasible strategy. Like, because Dark Souls balances that by, yeah, it takes stamina, but also if you don't have a shield with 100% absorption, it hurts you. It's right. sort of, so yeah. that's not really you a thing damage. here. If you have enough stamina or key in this, uh, stamina is key. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, as the NeoGAF thread is titled. Oh, it is. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I wanted to call it Geralt Goes Kawaiian. But, um, the, uh, so, like, you know, I've blocked, like, giant steel balls flying at me from a boss or whatever, and, like, you know, took no damage, sucked my stamina away, and I had to, like, do the out-of-breath thing. But, uh-huh. like, you, you know, the blocking is, is, a, is a steel wall, basically. Well, it's more time, but it's a more so, timing-based. Uh, now you can just hold it, but, like, but, but, the, but there's a lot more... though, you need to time it, otherwise you're going to eat up all your stamina. No, it doesn't uh, drain stamina while you're blocking. Oh, okay. It's it's only when you get impacted. Gotcha, However, gotcha. Uh, everything takes stamina, and then there's the the to, to kind of counteract that. There's the key pulse, uh, um, ki space pulse uh-huh. uh, feature, which is kind of the most unique element of the the moment to moment gameplay. I'd say in comparison to Dark Souls, which is uh, after you do any kind of attack or combo. Uh, like a glowing blue light sort of comes towards the character, and if you hit R one. Uh, at various, you know, it, you can get a good one or a perfect one or whatever, but uh, you flash and you get a key pulse and your stamina basically will refill, a little chunk of it will refill much faster than God, it normally God. would. So it's kind of a good way that you can kind of jump in, hit, do the key pulse, get out of the way. There's a, there's uh, abilities you can you can uh, buy with, uh, you know, skill points that let you do the key pulse while you're dodging. Uh, so you can, you know, jump in, move, and recover key while you're moving, uh, so like it, it, it encourages much more uh, fast movement and much more uh, hit and run, and frankly, I think it encourages you to be a little more aggressive, especially because like the big demon guys all have like weak spots, which are usually glowing yellow horns or whatever. Right. So they want you to kind of jump in, jump out, uh, and then on top of that, the yoke, you know, the demon, the yokai guys create uh, what's called the yokai dimension or whatever like that, which basically is like a weird smoky gray ring or where certain attacks land. And while you're in that, your key doesn't. Uh, regenerate properly you use more key as well i think basically it's a bad place to be but if you do a perfect key pulse while in it uh it disperses it it sounds really complicated it is really complicated (laughs) but the good thing about this game is even if you don't understand all that stuff you can still just beat it doing slash and dodge okay uh and eventually once you learn how all that other stuff works you'll like beat a boss it took you like you know five minutes to beat will take you like 50 seconds. Right. And be like, oh, what was I doing? All this right, stuff. right. Once you because that's the other thing is everybody has key. Everybody has stamina. Uh, and it's much more of a, uh, of, a, of a gameplay element in this than, to me at least, than it is in the Souls games because when someone's blocking, same as when you're blocking, when someone's blocking you, their stamina is running out too. And if you drop their stamina. And you can see their meter. Yeah, you can see their meter. And if, if the stamina drops to nothing, your lock on turns red and you can do like a finishing move on right, them, okay. which doesn't necessarily kill them, but it does a massive amount of damage. And you can do that to the demons and to the bosses and stuff as well, which is like, that's basically, that's why you want to hit their weak spot, because it'll stagger them. You can do the, 
do the extra damage hit and uh, that's kind of the you know the balance on it. What about the um, I can't remember what they were called the shadow attacks or something where you almost kind of summon this an animal. Oh, the guardian spirits. Yeah, yeah. how does yeah. that work? That is a skill you can get uh, where one of because the, there's a magic section. There's like ninjutsu and then I think it's uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, omiyam. I can't say the word. I don't remember, but it begins with O. And there's a you can summon them as like a kind of a helper basically. Um, the other thing that so I, it's only for a certain if you go down a certain path. Um, basically, I, mean, I you, thought you, it was like available I mean, to everyone can, who played. Well, it. no, you you do have a guardian spirit with you at all times. You pick one of three at the beginning, and there's a bunch of others you can find in the in the game. And they each one does a different thing. So I pick the shark, which uh, enhances defense because anytime I can take less damage in these <laughs> You're games, I like take it. it. Yeah, because um, I feel like I'm hitting hard enough. Um, so like the like the flaming wolf that looks like uh, Amaterasu is it might be Amaterasu I don't, I don't know this is all the same mythology after all he yeah. um, that one ups your attack the shark ups your defense and the the bird the wind bird uh, I think ups your stamp your stamina or something your spirit uh, I picked the shark because how often you get to have a shark so the <laughs> shark so the shark basically um, it sits in the corner when you activate your your legendary weapon the shark is what possesses your weapon and like it turns it yellow or blue and it's like you know like well, there's like a water trailing from it and then you can do a move it, during that that uses up the whole thing that like does like a, it sends the shark out and he swims around and hits people um, and then if you die you lose your guardian spirit and you have to go pick. Up your, you know, you pick up your souls. Very souls like. So, yeah. so when you see like the, my souls are sitting there, there's a spirit shark circling them because I have to Got pick yeah. him up too. Got and yeah. if you don't, you have to pay to like reactivate your guardian spirit or whatever at the shrine. Gotcha. Um, it's and of course it's really, uh, yeah. I haven't really delved too far into that yet. I've mostly been trying. You know, I'm I'm a very um, bread and butter player when it comes to like the hack and slash stuff. I try not to use my Bombs. I try not right. to use my. Because I think you're gonna need them for a boss. Right, but it's like it's, I'm the I'm the guy that like at the end of the game I saved all my stuff in case I need it later and I didn't even use it on the final boss and I've got four thousand potions. I, I do that in every game yeah. too, man. So um, so that's, although I will say it in RE7 I did unload at the end of the oh, game because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had just talked about how Resident Evil 4 right. about how I finished that game and never used all that stuff. And at the end of Resident Evil 7, I was like, launcher, I think this launcher, is the final yeah. boss. I'm just going to completely unload. And I did. And like, <laughs> I beat him in like five seconds or whatever. So what about the story in this game, Matt? Is it, is it kind of a cryptic, kind of cryptically told like it is in the Souls games? Or is it more overt? It it's pretty overt. I mean, it's pretty overt. Like, uh, you play uh, William, what's his name? He's the, you know, the Western Geralt. samurai guy. He's Geralt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he escapes from the Tower of London at the very beginning and... Um, uh, but there's a bunch of historical figures uh, that really were that you know really were people, but they didn't um, get possessed by Japanese demons and invade uh, <laughs> Japan. Right. Um, but uh, uh, basically, you end up going to Japan to track this guy down that screwed with you, and you land there, and the whole country is just overrun with demons, and you go through and because uh, you're looking for this Irish spirit that like uh, can detect. Amrita, which is the gold soul equivalent in uh -huh. this, and the the alchemist that had you locked up was torturing your your friends to find out what it is and how to find it. You're the only one that can do it, and he uh, basically he wants to use this stuff to control the crown of England, and uh, it, it's apparently why uh, the the English won the 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 war against the Spanish Armada. It's to, like <laughs> apparently this is like a big historical. Um, 
uh, histo- history. historical secret. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I think they're showing that right here. Yeah, exactly. So he <laughs> right goes. So he goes to Japan and lands, and like everything's all screwed up, and like the Westerners he was trying to meet up with are all dead, and like he, you, you pick up like you know uh, souls off of like dead bodies, and sometimes they'll give you a little like audio diary that kind of like fills in what happened. Uh-huh. And at the end of uh, you, you basically find that the ship has been taken over by monsters, and at the end, uh, Hanzo Hattori or the guy currently using the name, the Master Ninja, yeah. shows up and is like, hey, you're pretty good at killing demons. You should come with me. And so that's how that starts. <laughs> Off they go. And so basically he's like, you kill demons and help the people of Japan, and I will help you find the guy you need to find. Gotcha. And so you sort of set off across Japan uh, slicing demons and killing bandits, and that's kind of the story so far. Uh, there's a lot of like in uh, kind of intricate like you know encyclopedia entries that you can unlock about like what the different monsters are in their mythology because most of them are based on real legends and stuff, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool. But like but Ninja Ninja Gaiden kind of had a little it bit does, of that too, yeah. so it's like um, it's a Team Ninja trademark, I would yeah. say. Um, you you collect like a little Kodama, which are um, we've seen Princess Mononoke. Those are the white in, in Princess Mononoke. They were shown as uh, these those little white things in the forest that click their heads right yeah uh, so in this they're adorable little green guys that have like different hats on depending on what ability they give you and you collect a bunch of them in each area and they all con- congregate on the shrine and look adorable and party and play instruments and stuff and it's like there's a lot of personality in this game really a lot of people play the demo for this mm-hmm. what would you say to people is it is the final game very similar to the demo because there may be people yeah. who play the demo and maybe they weren't they didn't like it too much and it, I mean it's similar but like obviously the alpha there's a lot of differences from the alpha because they took feedback and changed you know there's no weapon degradation anymore and that right. kind of thing which was a big deal yeah that was I something mean, that drove me bonkers oh I, I wouldn't probably not have bothered to play it if it had the weapon degradation I mean I mostly just wanted them to degrade slower I didn't mean like get rid of it necessarily have they but brought I'm that fine back for like it. a harder difficulty setting maybe um, I, I haven't wonder. seen I haven't seen that. Uh, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Probably be a good idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always DLC. Yeah. Um, but uh, I find it a little easier than the demos, maybe just because the tutorials properly introduce you a little, a little you know, smoother. Right. Um, and because, like, when I get to, like, the stuff in, like, the last chance demo that they did, like, I've built my character the way I want him to be, and so I'm kind of... I'm kind of in the groove already, so I don't right. feel like I'm trying to figure out all these game systems like all at once while these guys are coming at me four at a time or whatever. Yeah. Um, I did. I mean, I did like the last chance demo. It was like kind of the thing that made me decide, okay, yeah, I'm going to go for this one. I like yeah. this. Um, but I think I think it's easier the way it's you know presented in in context of the whole game. I'm, I, it's a much smoother curve. Gotcha. Uh, the other thing about it, and I think this might be one of the things that helps you on it, is um, it's not like a big interconnected singular location like the Dark Souls games. It's more like Demon Souls. In that, um, it's like you, you pick your missions from a world map. You go to a, a particular place, and it's a, a self-contained, discrete location. That so they're is, like levels, basically. Yeah, they're levels, yeah. and like and like they're all they're very twisty, turny, and interconnected. And you can unlock shortcuts uh, the way you do in Dark Souls. But um, you know, you can run through the first level if you know what you're doing. You can get through that in like three minutes. Right. You know, I mean, it's uh, you can run right to the boss and do what you need to do, and. Um, because can you run past enemies in this oh game? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. There's a guy. There's a YouTube video of a guy be, beating the first level in like I think it's like two fifteen or two thirty. Oh wow! I mean, he just runs straight through it. There is actually a. Uh, it's it's not achievements, but they have titles in in the game. Like you know, there's a little. Ton, I mean, it's like hundreds of different achievements. Kill this many, kill right. And as you unlock the titles, you get prestige points. You can use prestige points to uh, upgrade the character more in different ways. You can upgrade him other ways, um, like more life points or more power against yokai or whatever. And one of the titles is 
complete a, a, mission, a main mission, a story mission, without killing anyone but the boss. Wow. So they know so you can do it. They're semi-encouraging Yeah, to they want it, you to yeah. try, you know, stupid human tricks yeah. in there. Um, there's another one for uh, completing a level with uh, no clothes on. Oh, really? And there's another one for completing... <laughs> I think someone said in the chat they're watching the show tonight naked, so perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that was Nolan Elric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this, this title, a title unlocked right there. <laughs> um, but because they're, in, they're you know, individual levels, like, you can get through one in, like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes and feel like you've done something. Yeah. Because um, that is a big knock against the Souls slash Bloodborne mm. games is you can spend a lot of time playing them and feel like you've accomplished nothing. And that's the other thing is, like, the game seems much more, um, maybe not forgiving, but just, like, sensible about where it puts your souls when you die like there was a point where i got pushed Basically, so it doesn't just put them where you died it does put them where you died but it's it's nice about it i oh. guess i'd say like like i was on a ledge and I, a guy attacked me with an axe and basically he was too heavy to push back uh-huh um because that's one of the things like you have an you have a, 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 a advantage over some of the enemies like you can really abuse some of these guys if you know if you're aggressive enough uh-huh. and this guy was not moving and he hit me and i tried to dodge the wrong way and he, he kind of edged me with his axe and if you get hit near the edge you are an enemy you sort of do this like sonic the hedgehog like balance thing you fall off and i fell off and it was a long way down <laughs> and, you're and i afraid landed your and i thought my souls would be at the bottom of the right. because in dark souls they would be right. you know they'd yeah. be down. but they were right on the ledge like even before oh, right yeah. so like it's a little more forgiving and also because you move faster uh, you can get them better like it's like you know sometimes in dark souls it's like Okay, I died in the boss. I got to go in, and I got to sprint to the other side. And you know, with uh, and the sprint in those games is sprint, just like yeah, a it's, jog, it's just sort basically. of like yeah, <laughs> you got you got plate armor on. You got to yeah yeah. Um, but th- in this, like, you can sometimes get to your souls before the boss even knows you're there. So uh, right. it's uh, it's I feel it's more forgiving. I feel it's an easier game. I feel it gives you more power in the outset. You know, you have, to, you have to earn as much as of your bad attitude as you do in the Dark Souls games. Because eventually in Dark Souls you are pretty awesome. Yeah. But I feel like you start out pretty awesome in this game. As Team Ninja tends to do. It does, yeah. It, it tends to empower the player. Is this better or worse than Dark Souls 3? Ooh. I don't know yet. I mean, uh, so far I'm probably enjoying it more than Dark Souls 3, but it might just be because it's different. And Dark Souls 3 was sort of a greatest hits collection. Right. Um, I did go back and play more Dark Souls 3 this week, uh, just to kind of remind myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's hard to go back to the, the slower sort of, you know, partly because the controls are different buttons and I'm yeah, used yeah. to one. But, like, it's, it's a little hard to go back to the slower, more deliberate Dark Souls after this because it does have, it does, it, you know, Neo just does, it just moves the way Team Ninja games That's been one of my do. big complaints against Dark Souls and uh, Bloodborne. Yeah. The and Bloodborne, you know, slow. Bloodborne does, is faster than, yeah. uh, you know, gives you more maneuverability and encourages... Which in, is why a lot of people thought I would like right. Bloodborne. Yeah. Encourages aggressiveness because of the, you know, get your life back when you, you know, if you attack after you get hit thing. Right. But I feel like, you know, if you're going to like, if you are going to like any of these... It's probably it. going to be Neo because it gives you the most maneuverability. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and it also, looks more fun. The yeah. combat. Well, also it's very satisfying because you know you, you're taking heads and limbs and stuff. I mean, it's very violent. It's uh, uh, well, it's a team ninja game. It's that you know once you you know you get get in a fight a long fight against one of these big dudes and it's satisfying. You finally kill him and like the head comes off and you can keep hacking at him and cut more stuff <laughs> off. And it's great. <laughs> Only in video game big, land. Big shower of, of uh, loot. You know, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's good. So you think you could recommend this to someone who hasn't been a fan of these kind of games in the past? Is this... Yeah, I mean... I mean you already kind of said I might be. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, don't... 
you know, I wouldn't say like pay sixty dollars right now if you hate Dark Souls. Cause right, like, right. But if it's like one of those things where you just feel like those games haven't quite clicked with you, and and you, it felt like playing underwater in Dark Souls, this game does not feel like that. But it still offers that kind of like screw up and you're dead. You know, you still got to pay attention. But like if you if you know how Ninja Gaiden One worked in that sense, where it's like, yeah, you got to know what you're doing. You got to you know, be, you, know, you got I mean, you can't abuse the swallow slice in this one, obviously. Uh, but uh, it has that pedigree and it feels pretty good in that regard. So I would, and also if you really get in trouble, you have that legendary weapon super to kind right. of get yourself out of things. And it se- it feels I haven't timed the frames on this or anything because I don't care. But um, <laughs> the uh, it feels like you uh, are able to pull your block up in the middle of a crisis better. Like if you're getting hit by something and you're like, oh, if you get blindsided by whatever, it will let you block. There's like a cancel. Kind of like, yeah. So that's like, another thing that drives me crazy about the the Souls in Bloodborne yeah. games is that, like, once you're locked into an animation, you're just locked into it. Yeah, you're much less likely to get uh, hit-stunned into oblivion on this game. Um, well, that sounds e- like there's a lot of changes that... Might even with bats, like, game. you know, there's, like, caves in the second level where, like, bats come out, and, like, the bat. The idea is the bats hit you like bullets. The bats hit you like... Uh-huh. And if you don't block, you'll fall off the cliff. Right, like basically. Okay, but you. like you can you can pull that block up whenever you need to. It's uh, it's pretty unless outside of specific you know moves the various enemies can do. You usually, of course, you're then you're using up stamina. Use up all your stamina. You're back in the out of breath thing, and they can just have their way with you. But uh, it's like, like any of these games is a balance of what you need to do versus what you can do. What universe do you like better? And granted, I haven't played a ton of either one of either the Souls games or this game. Mm-hmm. But the universe in the Souls game seems a little more compelling to me. No, I mean, I like the Bloodborne universe the best, just okay. because like by the second half of that game, you're in Lovecraft territory. Right. In a, in a, like a the whole game is kind of that way. Yeah, but like it gets real that way. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, not. I don't want to get into it for people who haven't played it, but it's like I mean, there's giant like. Cyclopean spiders, like with right. you know, ten, like just hanging off like skyscrapers, and like basically like stuff's been going on that you weren't aware of for the first half of the game, right, right. and it's great. It's, it's like not, you know some of it's like nothing I've ever seen in a game. Uh-huh. Um, and while I do enjoy the kind of the the Japanese mythology thing, I feel like there's stuff, uh, especially in like Dark Souls One, that the design of things were more surprising and more yeah, you know, like the gaping dragon is one of the coolest enemies in any game. Yeah, I mean that's one thing I say about Neo is just I've played the demo. Mm-hmm. And just I've watched a ton of footage of the game, and that's the one thing I would say is that the universe just doesn't seem all that compelling to me. Like mm-hmm. I've played tons of Japanese yeah. alt history games yeah. where that is kind of the setting, and so it's nothing really unique. And that was what is that's something that's driven me crazy about the Souls and the and Bloodborne is that the universe and the art I love. I've said it on the show before I love it so much that it drives me crazy that I can't enjoy playing the games. Mm-hmm. And I don't get to experience like the stuff that you mentioned, like the later parts of Bloodborne. Sounds incredible. Wish I could experience it. <laughs> Can't do it. So it's, uh, I mean, it, it definitely gets weirder and weirder as you go on in Neo. And like, there's a couple bosses that are really cool. I mean, people hate the uh, Umigami, which is basically like a, it's like a giant whale made of goo, kind of that you fight <laughs> at one point. Uh-huh. Uh, that's sort of where you start running into like. There's there's a lot of it's like I say like how Dark Souls is a little more technically sound like in that boss battle. Uh, you might fall through the ground and die a few times, like through no fault. Oh, you mean it's like, like a bug? Yeah, like because wow. like, you're on a raft that's sort of you know uh, moving okay, and it's you. popping up through things, and like you know how games are. Sometimes yeah. you're doing that, and the character's feet miss the thing, and you just Boom, fall through the world. Gone. You know, yeah. so that's happened a couple of times. Um, 
Also, because, I mean, part of the challenge is meant to, you're, you're fighting this thing on the edge of this thing, and if you overreach, you fall in the water, and uh, uh, this dude does not like water, apparently. <laughs> um, but, he, but, I mean, that, that boss, while it's, while it's kind of an annoying and tedious battle, is a really cool visual design. He's made of, made of water, basically. You know, right. like that. And, like, as you wear him down, he gets smaller, and, they, and they cha- the attacks, his attacks change because of how much water he has to work with and then but that also makes his weak spot more vulnerable to right, right. I mean it's, there's a lot of really clever design here uh, and it's not maybe on the level of what Dark Souls does at its best but it's as you know, someone who's pretty familiar with Japanese mythology like there's there's enough interesting takes on some of these things that I was I'm interested I'm still interested but I would definitely say like you know piecing together the mythology of the Dark Souls world and like sort of figuring out what it's about and who you are and why all these things are happening across those three games. Yeah, that's a lot more interesting that's than white guy comes to Japan and turns out right. to be awesome. You know, yeah. it's like that's basically <laughs> what the story is so far. So, do you think it earns the score it's getting? So far, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm only like four or five missions in. I've done a lot of like the sub because after you finish the missions there's usually submissions. Uh, so far, there's submissions. You go back and do the the same level, but kind of like you, like the first level, you start where you end the main level, and you go back through it, fighting like a lot of more more powerful versions of the enemies. And then there's a different boss, Got and it. you get some cool you some cool new gear and some extra money and, and souls, and it's it's just an extra thing to do, and it's fun. Um, so I've done a lot of that. I'm very slow in these games. I tend to do everything. Well, you I do can. everything. Yeah, I do everything I can, on. and I over level like a like a jerk, and like you know. Like, I think, like, I'm... Doesn't it kind of ruin the games, though, when you play that way? No, because you can still die in, like, four hits. I yeah, mean, like, I guess you're right. It's more about building my... Uh, my. The main thing I'm doing is I'm building up my stamina bar, and I'm building up my damage. All right. Um, it certainly doesn't make it easy. Uh, but, uh, and uh, the other thing about this game is learning kind of which weapons you work the best with. Uh, so far, I seem to... I, originally, I was using... Uh, uh, sword and axe, and it turns out I'm much better with the dual swords than the axe. So that's gotcha. kind of where I'm going with that, and uh, that's really that feels good. Like you know, you can you have skills for each of those different weapon types, and you can learn to do some cool stuff. And you begin to learn where you know it's got that same thing. It's like okay, well here's you're using a spear, and that's cool, but you're in a hallway, so you should probably do something else. You know, like it's yeah. it's uh, it's very much about you know learning the situation and not leaning on one thing all the time. I think what's most encouraging for me about this game is that it appears Team Ninja's back. Yeah. I mean, you look at the last couple games Team Ninja's worked on, they haven't been bad games, but they haven't been excellent games. They haven't been kind of that next level thing that they used to be known for. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could argue that Itagaki's last game or two at Team Ninja didn't hit that standard. I would certainly argue that. (laughs) And having been around those guys, like, I know they had it in them. Because you sit and talk to them, and you're like, you talk to them about games, and... One thing that was struck me about Team Ninja was that a lot of times you talk to Japanese developers and they're enamored with Japanese games. And they're obsessed with being successful in the Japanese market and what do the Japanese players want, what is the hot trends in Japan. Not Team Ninja. You talk to those guys, they're wondering what's big in the West and why it's big in the West. Because mm-hmm. they were always smart enough to know that market was always heading overseas. Even when I did that doc with them like eight years mm-hmm. ago, whatever it was... They knew then that everything was starting to shift over the Pacific. So, and you said you talked to them about game and game theory and game design, and I just knew, and I knew that they had it in them mm-hmm. to make a game that Western audiences were going to love. And you know, the next couple games came out, and I'm like, whoa! Like, I'm we talked if, about this. Why are you doing this? You well, know? I kind of wonder if, like, you know, some of their their last few games have sort of felt a little directionless. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if, like, the strong template of Dark Souls 
kind of gave them that framework that everybody understood what it was supposed to be and where they were trying to take it and put their own spin on it. And all they basically had to do was bring their team ninja-ness to it. Yeah. And maybe that was kind of the, maybe the constraint of we're trying to make a game like this other game kind of gave them that, that, that verve back. I wonder too if they're... Very interested to see what they do next. Yeah. Uh, the next Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. What's, what's it going to be? I'm surprised they didn't slap the Ninja Gaiden license on I this think game. they could have. They I totally could have. I think they have. could have and, and it would have worked. Oh yeah, nobody would have said anything about it. And I'm wondering too if they're, if the last couple games they put out were... There is still some hangover from, from Itagaki there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been games that Itagaki had worked on or created the design docs for. There could have been people still working at Team Ninja that were loyal to Itagaki and still wanted to stand behind his principles mm-hmm. and his ideas. We'll probably never know. I also don't know, like you know, who's in charge, who's calling the shots, and very, you know, presumably the guy. Oh, Hayasan for sure. Oh well, whoever was in, Hashi. Whoever was in charge of calling the shots for Ninja Gaiden Three must have learned their lesson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they haven't done that again. Right. But, uh, Itagaki worked on Ninja Gaiden 3. Yeah. The well, initial I mean, designs for it and everything. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Devil's Third kind of indicates that uh, <laughs> he, took, yeah. he took the problems with him. Well, it's funny because you look at Devil's <laughs> Third and now you look at this game. Yeah. There you have it. I mean, this doesn't feel like an Itagaki game. It doesn't. But it it's doesn't sure look like good. It at all. all right. It's sure damn good. All right. All right, let's move on. I almost didn't want to talk about this because we we didn't do a show. Uh, people, for, people would have complained. Yeah, I know. If, if you didn't talk about uh, this, I know. But you know, the, we we waited a little while to do another game face because we wanted to get back on the normal schedule. We're doing the show at the end mm-hmm. of the week because I think it's really advantageous for us to do shows later in the week. It kind of bore itself out over the last like four or five months in that we would do a show on a Thursday and we would talk about things on the Thursday that everybody else would talk about the next week. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge advantage that we have on the, at this show doing it on Thursday. I don't know why other sites do their shows earlier in the week. I, I don't know. We did it for a while. But I think this is better doing it this way. But the downfall was that we had to wait a couple extra days to do a show. And so a lot of people have already mm-hmm. talked about this topic. So I try to stay away from things everyone else has kind of talked about to death. But I think the story is kind of too big and too controversial to just blow off and not include in the show. So... Set it all up. Basically, what's what's happened is GameStop. And Matt, have you ever worked at Game Retail? Uh, I ran a game store that was independently owned in okay. ninety eight, ninety nine, up in the Bay Area. I've never worked for GameStop or Funko or any of the. Big but you've chains. worked in video games. Retail. But I've worked in video game retail. Yeah. I have not. And I worked in an arcade that was also a comic shop when I was in high school. Okay, I've not worked in games retail. I worked when I was in high school. I worked at a music a record store at the mall. It's not which, that different, right? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. You get these weird memos that are sent from corporate, mm-hmm. and you're like, what is this? This makes no sense. Uh, but basically what's happening is is something that we've known for a long time, is that GameStop wants you to buy everything used, because right. that's where GameStop makes all its money. It, it's a pawn shop. It's a pawn shop. That's really what GameStop is. It doesn't want you to buy this stuff new, because the profit margin on something new mm-hmm. is so minuscule. Profit margin on a used game, they pay you 20 bucks for your used game. They sell it for like $5 less than new. They make... $30 off of that game. Mm-hmm. You buy a brand new copy of a game, they make like $5. So we've known And this. they want you to bring that brand new copy back right. so they can do the user. And it's, it, well, they what make, they called it was the circle, circle of life. Right. <laughs> it's so bad. You don't name stuff like that, by the way. You're just asking no. for it. <laughs> no. And so what happened is some GameStop employees were, they're getting these memos telling them that they should try to push used games. 
And a couple of them basically leaked it out to Kotaku, I think, was the first mm-hmm. publication to, to break the story. I think that's right, yeah. I think Jason Schreier, actually, who does great work, by the way. One of the better journalists in the industry mm-hmm. right now. Um, I don't know about his Zelda list. Yeah, his... <laughs> It's a pretty high place for the Oracle games. Yeah, I'd agree with folks. that one. A non-Nintendo developed yeah. uh, Capcom Zelda, Zelda game. game. Not that it, I mean, oh, I like them. I like right. them, but they're... I'm, wow, I, and not that I would automatically put them lower on the list just because they're made by Capcom, but the right. fact of the matter is they're good games, not amazing games. Right. But anyway, I, we digress. Tangent. Shrier. <laughs> I love Shrier. I think he's good. He's <laughs> no, one he's of the good. few legitimate reporters we have left in this industry. Oh, no, he does real work. Yeah, but he's like a real journalist. Yeah, and There aren't many of those. Oracle of Seasons, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he basically broke the story. Someone reached out to them, and he followed up and investigated it. And I think initially, maybe the report was a little harsh, because I think his initial report was that GameStop was mandating that these employees sell you stuff, and if they didn't, that they were put on a, a list mm-hmm. of some type, and that they were up right. for it, termination. It, the original report came off as like you know new draconian policy, right. like chains GameStop employees in dungeon or something. Right, it was. Yeah. It was it, it was whereas, like, if you have any familiarity with game retail, you know this has been going on for yeah two decades. And then ultimately, that. the GameStop put out. They didn't of, always call it that stupid name, right? Either. Right. GameStop kind of put out a statement about it, and and a lot of employees have come forward and said, "Hey, look, they're not saying they're going to fire us. Mm-hmm. It's just one of these. They're just things. implying it. They're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're not saying they're going to fire us. <laughs> I just feel like I might get fired if I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Is there any difference? Yeah, it's totally different." <laughs> So it's a uh, that's that's just capitalism, yeah. right? I don't. So Matt, rule this has... through terror. That's that's how corporations work. Yeah. So Matt. So as it turns out, like no one's really gonna get fired if they don't sell X number of used no. games. Oh, like the like your you know the, the manager of the store will probably be like you know given a, a, or, a stern wiggly finger when the or district meetings come up. Or right. Or the next. The next uh, schedule comes out, right. and you notice you're only scheduled for two days right. out of the week when you used to be scheduled for four or five. That's how they do mm-hmm. it. That's how they get you and, and twist the knife a little bit. So, Matt, is this story being blown completely out of proportion? Um, I mean, it seems like this is sort of a cycle that happens. Like, every few years we get angry about how GameStop works again, you know? And I, it, there's nothing in that in the story that really surprised me or was different. You know, most retail things do that, especially if they use, have used product. Like that's where that's where the money comes from, no matter what. Even like music stores. Not that we really have music stores anymore, and that's one of the reasons why. Um, but like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't shock me. It's all it's one of the reasons I never worked at GameStop or one of the or one of the corporate places because I didn't want to do that because I hate used games and I don't want to sell people them. Like I have never talked to anyone. Who worked in games retail that liked the job? I liked it. Did you? Well, because I get to call my own shot. Like, it was basically right. you were running I, it. I was, I was, you know, there were three of us. We were, we were managing it. We were all friends. We worked for the guy who owned. It was, it was attached to a music store. Um, it was its own little cement bunker in the back of the parking lot, and he owned the big vinyl music store that like next to it. And he would come back and check on us a couple times a day. Like uh, we let his grandsons watch Dragon Ball Z in the in the store because he couldn't stand it. And 
it was a good time. You know, we we had like Soul Calibur tournament. It was right right around the time the Dreamcast came out. We we would have uh -huh. Soul Calibur tournaments and like little things and like you know we, we had all the regular customers. We had the regular shoplifters. It was you know <laughs> was, you know chasing kids down the street trying to run away with a copy of Link, Link to the Madden Past. Sixty like, four. <laughs> oh no, I went back. I went back there a couple a couple times ago. Like when I oh is it still I'm, open? Oh, it's still open. Wow. Yeah, and it's um they still have those four copies of Madden sixty four. We can never get rid of. They're like for twenty five cents and no one will take them. I almost did it. I'm just like just just give them to me. Here's gonna, a dollar. I'll we, we need new stuff for the shelf. We'll just put all the N64 games nobody could nobody could sell for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but we had a, I mean we had a really good time. Like you know, actually, rainy day like today kind of reminds me of the days we we just sort of set up camp in there and we'd order pizza and we'd hang out and I mean it was very Kevin Smith. Um, but like. You know, people would come in. We'd have a little, you know, tournaments. I'm like, okay, who wants a piece of pizza? Well, you want like people would want pizza, and we'd be like, we'd be like, all right, play each other in Soul Calibur. Whoever wins gets the pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but see, like that's that. awesome. But that's awesome. It was a there great time. There are game stores like that yeah. that are awesome. They're Not used, many anymore, but they are. There out used there. to be one on South Street in Philadelphia whenever I was going to school and running my very first gaming website, and it was like that. It was like a place to hang out. Mm -hmm. So I was really into DJing and buying records and Six Eleven record store. Which is right here, which doesn't exist well, anymore. Well, that's by the, the funny way. part is like the game store that I worked. It was actually it was called uh, Planet Mix. And Planet Mix because it was a DJ store before it was a video wow. game store. It was <laughs> it was the annex of the record store where he started storing all the DJ stuff because uh, it got so big right. in the late nineties, mid nineties, late nineties DJ scene. Yeah. He couldn't store it all in the store, so he opened the back, this back bunker where he stored it. And then that got so big, he opened another. He got another store location down the street, and that oh, was yeah. where the DJ stuff oh, was. Yeah. And then he turned the other one into the game store. But yeah, so, so I would go yeah, so, record shopping. Very, then, very closely connected communities. It, it is, oddly enough. And I would walk across South Street and up a block, stop and get a slice of pizza at Lorenzo's, which is legendary Philadelphia pizza, by the way. And then I would go up to this game store, and the game store was a hangout. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's where I got the name, like, Sifted Hangouts from, because it like it's one of those words mm -hmm. that just has this, like, resonation with me over the years. And you would go in there, and it's like, new game came out that day for whatever platform. They had it there. Like, they just would open a copy, put it in the N64 or the PlayStation or the Dreamcast, and you could just come in and play it. And it was the best, because you could figure out right away whether you wanted to buy something or not. And there was, like, regulars that would hang out. It was mm -hmm. almost kind of like Fat Albert. Like, there was these yep. characters that hung out in the store, and they all kind of had their own style and, like, the games that they were in. Like, you could totally write, like, a cartoon or even, like, a movie about, like, that place. Just the mm -hmm. characters that were in there. Oh, I've had a sitcom in my head based partly on that job yeah. for years. It's for, yeah, we had, we had one... I remember we but had you one... don't have that anymore. Like, oh, no. there aren't stores like that anymore where you can just... It's all yeah. corporate and pristine and sterile. Oh, this place and... was, like, just a dump. It was, right. It was, it was great. But you could go and it any other way. dig through all those yeah. old carts and, like, it has a smell to it. Yep. Like, it smells like electronics and, yep. like, plastic. Like... I love that. I love, we had one kid who would call literally every day asking if we had a copy of Last Action Hero for the Genesis. <laughs> and we never did. Like, I never, we never saw that game, ever. And we're like, no, we don't. And then one day... You think one, it was like autistic or something? Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. One day one guy actually said, yes, we do. Come on down. We're playing it right now. It's amazing. He comes in. like He's like, oh, it just sold. And I'm like, oh, dude, no, that's so mean. Oh, no, he did that to him. And That's then rough. later, like, like I mean, it was, it was, uh, like, his mom came in later and thanked us for being nice to him. And we're just like, yeah. man, I don't know what we're doing with this anymore. But like, he, we had all of those regulars that would come in and 
and play. Uh, and also, but a lot GameStop of a lot like, of the people that used to hang out at arcades that yeah. I knew from back in the day. Yeah. There, after all, like, all the arcades closed and this store opened, like they'd come hang out there. So that was good too. GameStop is like the antithesis of this. Like yes. it is the exact opposite. It's no one like, wants to spend more time in GameStop than necessary. No, <laughs> it's like you don't want to be in there. And then when you get to the counter, like they try to get you to sign up for like eight thousand mm. things. You're like, I just want to pay for the game and go. I don't want to be a part of any of your dumb and like, clubs. And no, a gutted copy is not a new copy. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't take. You wouldn't give that me new price for that. I'm not going to pay you new price. For right. That. Right. I will, I've had that argument with them for 25 years now. But I mean, going back to the topic, like to me, it, it just seems like this is getting all blown out of proportion because you look at the record stores. What record stores have actually survived all this time? One. Mm-hmm. Amiibo Records. Mm-hmm. And what can you do at Amiibo Records? Trade your stuff in. You can trade your stuff in. Yeah. It's a pawn shop for music, just like GameStop is. And the reality is that probably a lot more businesses should start doing this if they want to survive as brick and mortar is totally squeezed out. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going on. These stores are basically, they're just a one-way street. Like clothing stores become a consignment shop where you let people come back. Say you're... You're Calvin Klein or whatever. There's a lot of people who can't afford to buy Calvin Klein clothes brand new. So instead, they're going to go and buy it on eBay. What if you're Calvin Klein and you're letting people bring back their clothes after they're finished wearing them? Right. It, well, that's like what I was... It's kind of the future of retail, right. to well, be honest. Well, that's like what I was saying a, a few weeks ago. We were t- I was talking about like the kind of the second wave of people. You know, after the generation's over, there's a whole like market of people who buy these things secondhand and then because they couldn't afford it before. Right. That's, and I get that from working at that store because we're in a pretty low income area and we would have a lot of, uh, you know, low income families that would come in and they, you know, so that was 99. So they were starting, these families are starting to pick up the N64 and the PS1 at that yeah. point. Um, and it was, you know, and they didn't mind, they didn't care that they were, you know, a generation behind. They were just like, they just wanted good advice and good games to play and, and for a decent price. Yeah. And so that was kind of the bread and butter of the store yeah. was that market. Right. And we got, we were, one of the reasons we were good at it was because we'd already played everything. You knew and the we games, knew yeah. all the good stuff and we'd try to make sure uh, the kids got good games to play as like, you know, uh, and sometimes it didn't work. Some, we, my, one of my favorite stories was, uh, what was it? Um, some kid decided to buy Glover for the N64, <laughs> yeah, if you remember, I remember that. that game. T- like an hour. Literally a video game. Where the main character is a glove. Is a glove. Uh, <laughs> how does that get through like the meetings and like how does that get greenlit? Man, about a third of the games back then, you could ask that question. <laughs> it's about. really insane. Uh, and uh, and they came back like a couple hours later and returning the game. Wanted to return the game because <laughs> no, surprise. because the the mother didn't realize there was magic in the game. Oh, you don't like and magic. he was religious. It was, it was, it was a religious. <laughs> and the kid is just crushed, devastated. And, like, and she's like, I, "Is there anything like it that we could get without magic in it?" And I'm like. Uh, you know, and, and eventually I kind of dug a little bit because I want this kid to get a good game. I dug a little bit and it turned out that she, what she didn't like was that the main character could use magic. You don't want the player to use what? magic. Magic in the game is fine, but as casting long as spells her son is isn't casting right. spells. Yeah. I'm like, what about like drinking just like drinking potions or something? She's like, oh, that's okay. That's, that's <laughs> it's just like so a crazy. And I'm like, and so I I gave him. Uh, I said, why don't you try this? And I gave him Ocarina of Time because uh-huh. Link doesn't use magic. He just does he not? Not really. Like I mean. Not in that game, really. He drinks yeah. the potions and he has like right. the items and stuff, but there's yeah. like, you know the magic is all done by the fairies and You're the, right, the yeah. goddamn owl. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and okay, and I and they went and they went off with that and never came back. So I assume that was okay. So the kid traded Glover in for Ocarina of Time. Oh, there's a huge upgrade. I, I, I saved I saved the day. I I'm surprised he hasn't day. reached out to you in the last couple of years and been like, "Thank you, I remember that day." I'd remember that day. Yeah. 
But at the end of the day, this is really a, a non-story. Yeah, I mean, it's just just how that works, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't like it. It sucks. I would hate to have to be beholden to that policy as an employee. But that's just, I mean, I don't see any other way to run that business. You know what I mean? I mean, I wish they didn't badger me either. It would either, just go away. But it's like, yeah. but that's what you got to do. And I, look, I'm never going to sign up for your thing. I'm never going to buy your used game. I'm never going to do any of that. I'm probably never even going to bring in a game to trade in. Because if I want to get rid of a game, I'll probably just give it to somebody who wants it. And not right. trade it in for 99 cents. At, or I'm going to hold it until I'm like 65. Yeah. And then just unload my whole collection right before I retire and make five times that amount off right. of this game and selling it to you. And it's just not... It's just not worth it yeah. to me. And uh, so, but I understand. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't ever get mad at the employees for doing that. Really, just because that's they have to. You have to. You don't. You yeah. can't. You can't tell by looking at me that I'm not going to buy a used copy of right, a game. Right. You know? Like you have to ask. Um, and for a lot of people, it's like you were just saying. Like a lot of people are fine buying a used copy. Yeah. In fact, they want to. Like that five or six dollars they save is like lunch for Monday yeah. or whatever. Like I think and, a lot of sometimes... times people have a hard time realizing that other people don't have the money that they have. Right. A lot of people don't realize there's a lot of people struggling everywhere, not just mm. in America, but all around the world, like, that love games, and they're okay with buying mm. something for $5 I just, less I just wish later. the used copies, uh, the pricing kept up better with the dropping new copies. You no, know? you're right. Like, often these days you can get a better price uh, digitally or from Amazon or something of a new game than you can for the used copy. You know, they don't... You're right. They don't. They have too much inventory to keep up with that. That do they you know, price match? Uh, I think they do. Do they? I think they probably do. I don't, I've never tried to do that. You would think I'm, they'd have I'm to. Pretty, but, I think, yeah, I think. But then so many parents go in there that are completely ignorant to everything that they're just like, yeah. here you go. I'm saving five bucks. So and every done. once in a while, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the one thing I do buy used is uh, Pokemon games, because yeah. there's always good stuff yeah. in that oh. in that used save. Well, right, the save. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't think to wipe their save yeah. before they take it in there. I was when, trying to think when, when. Actually, that's a good question. When. Yeah. Would you wipe your save before you trade it in a Pokemon game? Nah. Nah, that's the fun. Like, really? I, I, I would leave a couple... Because that was one of the things... Chat. I to... Chat. Would, do, you, would you, do you guys wipe your saves before you trade in a cart? I wouldn't wipe oh, my I'm Pokemon curious save. to see. And I, and like, I, cause also because when I ran that store, because um, that was the heyday of Pokemon Blue and, uh, and, blue and Green and Red and yeah. Yellow, and when uh, people would trade them in, we would take the cartridges and look through the cartridges for, for our own games. If they're, and, and, they're and, saying in the chat that GameStop does not price match. Oh okay, that's yeah. good. But I would we would clean Not it up. A I had a Pokemon, uh, I had a Pokemon Blue with so many Mews. It was just, I had one a box in the PC that was just Mews uh-huh. uh, because we would clean out all the used copies that came in because we were jerks. Um, <laughs> but I, I the last I was trying to think like oh the last used game I bought was probably you know uh, I think I bought a Pikmin three uh, for cheap at like, when I up in Nevada when I was at a wedding two years ago or something because uh-huh. it was out of print by that point. Right. Um, but then I thought no I bought a copy of Alpha Sapphire last year like last fall uh, because I, I didn't have that one and I was like oh I'm gonna get a used copy because I'll get some free stuff and like right. it was full of legendaries and I mean it wasn't like. Was, they hadn't wiped it. No. So clearly they had been to, um, you know, the GameStop events and stuff where you could right. get stuff. And there was some stuff I didn't have. So wow. There you go. I think I actually do wipe my stuff before I That's mean. sell it. I think most... I, it wasn't, I mean, normally I would, but not Pokemon. I it wasn't the idea that I was trying to keep what I had earned away from people. Mm. It's that I just expect most people, when they buy a game, they want it to be wiped. And so they can just start the game, like, yeah. all on their own. But I, just in case someone wants it. Also, I love the idea that like somewhere out there, somebody just has Pokemon that I had 
that uh, have my name on them. Because they, you know, the original trainer is marked on the Pokemon bio. Uh, here's some comments. If my youth Pokemon game doesn't have save data on it, I'm disappointed. Yeah, exactly. Tell me to say Nevada again. Why, why do I say it? When did I say Nevada? Have you said Nevada? I don't know. I said Novato. Novato, yes. Not <laughs> yeah, not Novato. Novato is a no. city in Novato, California. yeah, it's like up like wine country area. Uh, it's Nevada. People, people who live in Nevada say Nevada. I don't know where Nevada comes. I know Nevada is how you pronounce it in the language, but people who live in Nevada say Nevada. Right, Nevada. So, yeah, I, I think I, anytime I've sold back games, I have wiped the saves. Just be, not because I wanted to keep my game away from somebody, but because I thought mm. that that's what I should do before I... A lot of time, I think I would do that in a lot of games, just to, you know, like you say, just to keep it pristine. I mean, as close to a new copy as it could be for whoever gets it next. For a Pokemon game, I totally leave some, leave some gifts behind. Yeah. Those can be some big gifts, by the way. Oh, yeah. Big. Big time. Bigly. Bigly. <laughs> Huge. Huge Pokemon. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Activision put out its earnings report this week. By the way, the best earnings report right. Activision has ever issued. Right. And then proceeded to lay a bunch of people off. I yeah, saw. they laid off 5% of its staff today because, Matt, the reason they did that is because all the money came from Blizzard. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of it. All that Overwatch money... All that World of Warcraft money. Yep. I'm wondering if Blizzard at this point is just like, why? Why <laughs> did we sell? Why? why did they sell? I To this day, I have no idea. The founders probably just wanted to cash out. I guess. Because, look, it's a risky business. Oh, yeah. You're four flops away from having half the money you would have had. So I'm guessing the founders were just like, man, you know what? I'll take a billion dollars. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I think I'm okay with that. There's a big difference between a billion dollars and 500 million, or I don't know, is there? Like, you can't spend really. that for the rest of your life yes. anyway. <laughs> like, it's impossible. But I'm guessing they're just like, hey, we're at a good place, let's cash out or whatever. But that was dumb. Now, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but man, they could have made so much more money. So, as a part of Activision's reporting, uh, they said that Infinite Warfare, the most recent Call of Duty, did not sell to expectations. No kidding. And they said that, yeah, that's one thing that you and I have known for a while, that it was not selling well. And uh, they said that the idea did not resonate with fans. And so because of that... It resonated with me, but I'm not a fan, so I guess they're right. Right. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. And it resonated with me, too. And I guess I would call myself a fan. I mean, I play every one of them, so I guess just by default Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. Um, But basically they said that, you know, they think that it didn't sell as well because of its futuristic setting, which really doesn't make a lick of sense because if you go back to Sledgehammer's first game, Advanced Warfare, it sold amazing, and it was the most advanced of any Call of Duty ever. I think it didn't sell because uh, nothing sold very well. It wasn't just Call of Duty. like It was just a total bailout on Mm -hmm. the AAA market over the holidays, which I'm still struggling to really kind of understand. I mean, we're, I don't know if we'll understand a whole lot about that until we see what the holiday market is this year, too. I yeah. Mean, it does, does it do the same thing, or does it bounce back to what it was? And at that point, you got to see, well, what was going on in 2016 that yeah. made people just pull back from buying video games? Well, I mean, I think the last time we discussed this, I think we did come to a pretty good conclusion. And just the times just are the, changing. Yeah. The, the, people the, are... The quickly dropping price. I mean, look, yeah. the last Garden, Guardian didn't teach you something. Now, Last Guardian has been dropped $20 permanently. Yeah. It is now a $40 game forever. And was it worth playing that a month and a half earlier? 
No. Probably not. I mean, think about that game was in development for like 11 years, (laughs) and all it took was a month and a half for its value to be cut by 30%. And even after all that marketing, billboards, TV commercials, the whole deal. That game appears to have tanked. Completely tanked, yeah. So, So basically what they're saying now is that, all right, well... People don't like this futuristic setting, which I do not agree with. I do not think that's why the game didn't sell very well. But that's how they're taking it. They're saying that now Call of Duty is going back to its roots. Meaning boots on the ground. Shooting Nazis. Shooting Nazis. Call of Duty World at War all over again. Maybe. Do you think this is the right move, Matt? I don't know. I mean, I would have thought Infinite Warfare was the right move before because I thought it looked really cool. Yeah. uh, so, and I enjoyed it. So maybe the lesson is don't listen to me. Other than like, the multiplayer. Yeah, but like, you know, I, I kind of wouldn't mind going back to World War II uh, after all these years and seeing what they can do with it now. You know, it's been a long time. I feel like, the, I don't know if you remember, Matt, but it used to be a running joke in the industry oh, yeah. that we about World War II shooters oh, and yeah. World War I shooters and Vietnam shooters that... It had just been milked for all it was worth, and there was no new ideas that people were going to bring to it. And we begged and pleaded for them to stop. Yep. Like, when we were working on X-Play, that was like a running joke around yeah. the office. Oh, another World War II shooter. Oop, another World War One well, shooter. I, I mean, I think I've told this story about going to, to Infinity Ward to review Call of Duty 2 yeah. during the 360 launch and just being... I remember driving over there and being like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to play it. Because you know, it's like... Playing a playing a dabbling dabbling in a World War II shooter, you know, number four hundred thirty-three, and just yeah, playing like two levels and coming back to work and be like, yeah, it was just another one. But I'm like, I gotta actually finish this thing. You know, I gotta yeah. play this whole thing. Yeah. And I sat down like after one level, I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was. It was a great game. The level, you know, presentation when serving bait, presentation is everything. Yeah. And um, <laughs> if they can, you know, if they can hit something, you know, on the level of uh, what they used to do, but you know, in 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 you know, the ratio change to how things we expect to be today, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in for that. I'm, I'm, I'd be I'd be up for it. I don't know if the whole main audience would begin. I was super up for Infinite Warfare, and apparently the audience, the you know, the main fan base did not give a shit. Yeah. Uh, so maybe my interest in it is proof they shouldn't do it. But do you have you stuck with Battlefield One? Not really. Me either. Um, and now part of that is because they keep up you know, between the updates to the game and the updates to the Nvidia drivers, they keep breaking things. Yeah. Uh, and I so, don't have that problem. I play it on console. So but uh, I do not play it anymore. I mean, I, I liked it. I I did too. I, I just it. wish I just wish they did single player expansions. I, yeah. I want more of the story. I don't care about the multiplayer so much. Like, yeah. It's just you know it only go you know it can only go so far with that before you either change it to the point that it's no longer the game I recognize. Or you keep it the same so long no one cares, which I think is did probably what happened. Did you enjoy the campaign in Battlefield 1? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I would have but... liked more. I think it's the weakest of the three major shooters that came out in those three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, by far. Because it's the most... It's like a really good by-the-numbers campaign. Whereas right. Titanfall 2 and Infinite Warfare had a lot of new ideas. Right. At least for their series. Yeah, for sure. Um, whereas Battlefield 1 just did what what shooters do really well, whereas the other two surprised me. So it would be the least of the three to me, but I still liked it. And part of that might just be because it looks so damn good. I mean... What I was I about, mean, to, say, about I mean, to say was, every time I would start getting tired of the scenario or the combat, the visuals would right, happen. Right. <laughs> and I'd have that moment where I'm like, damn! And it was, yeah, just this moment, it was like, Oh, I'm tired of sneaking around like with this tank in the, in yeah. the forest. Um, early on, I was just like, oh, da-da. And there would just be moments where I was like, look at the... 
fucking mud. Like oh, it's I just know. Like, <laughs> like you're. Li- I'm literally. But that sustains you for a while. Yeah, I mean, there's only so long you can be amazed by dirt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go shoot a guy now. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll be back. I'll be back, mud. I'll be back to look at you after the tank runs through you. <laughs> so, like, That's great. But. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot of eye candy involved in Battlefield 1 right. pushing me through. And look, right. I'm sure the next Call of Duty will have that as oh, well. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it'll be a great I mean, looking Infinite game. Warfare looked great too, but Infinite Warfare's world, like, very directly interested me yeah. in a way that Battlefield's did. In part because sometimes, like, the Battlefield 1 seemed to have, like, this sort of disconnect. Like, like, at the beginning of um, the tank thing, there's some, like, narrator with, like, a southern accent going, like, it's like, yeah, we 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 had tanks. Sometimes we even had enough tanks. And then it cuts yeah. to like you're a British yeah. soldier recruit <laughs> in a British tank with Scottish. Go- I'm yeah. like, wait, well, who was the guy talking at the beginning? It's just, I, I don't know if if um, Dice quite quite have um, the full grasp of how to make a campaign. Yeah. But I think Battlefield One was a step in the right direction. I would hate do to you... see them step away from it. I guess we'll see what Battlefront looks like this year. Yeah, I mean, do you think that because everybody has bought Battlefield 1, Battlefield 1 sold over 12 million copies, I think, already. Everyone's already played Battlefield 1. They've already kind of had that little nostalgia trip. Do mm-hmm. you think in eight or nine months from now that people are going to be ready to do that in Call of Duty? Maybe. I don't. I, I, I feel like people are asking for something that they don't really want. Maybe. Like, everyone's like, oh, I'm tired of being able to slide or... I don't know though. It could it could be genius if if it's, if it's this year's Call of Duty. It could be, which also kind of implies they've had this in the works for longer than yeah. Because I don't know if you November. watched Guys that I put out this week, but I was talking about how the three year development cycle for Call of Duty has kind of hindered its ability to be nimble. So mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised to hear the Sledgehammer, which is their game coming up this year, and also I feel like the last really great Call of Duty was they made was Advanced Warfare. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going back in time now for the game. Well, this they never year. got to make one. Right. That's kind of that's also the thing is like if, if it's Sledgehammer, kind of just see what their take on it is because yeah. they've never done one. I just feel like I've seen all the takes, Matt. You might think so. I mean, what take is? I mean, look. Well, what right. else? What I else? Mean, look, like, these guys an, are you want to do another Modern Warfare one because we've seen that too. You know, I would be of, cool with another Advanced Warfare for sure. Yeah, I would well, love I, to see I, that I think they're going to shy that. away from that though because they're going to think it's too similar to Infinite. War- that's the thing of is like I'm worried that the Infinite Warfare reaction is going to. Adjust too far away from yeah, they're gonna what made them interesting. Yeah, they're going to overcorrect. Yeah. That's what I, well, I would argue that the reason the sales have gone down after Advanced Warfare is because the next two games weren't as good as Advanced Warfare. They actually multiplayer wise, sure. right? They dialed it back and like took things away from you that most players loved and it got mm-hmm. used to having, and now all of a sudden it's gone. Like. It regressed, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and so it's no crap like it didn't sell as well. <laughs> the games aren't as good, so. I don't know. I think this is a mistake. I enjoy Battlefield One as well. Um, I didn't like love the campaign though. Like I had fun with it. And, yeah. But like I didn't replay any of the stages and like the multiplayer. I replayed. I, I replayed some of the biplane stuff. I like. Did the, you? Like, but I like. I like playing stuff. I, yeah. You know, it wasn't about Battlefield One so much as like, oh, cool biplanes. Like, right. It, right. It was. It was it was not, wasn't a testament to the game so much as just the subject matter. Right. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see the response as well. Like, I honestly would not be shocked if here you sit this time next year and they're like, mm-hmm. maybe the franchise is dying now. Yeah, but I, here, here's something I will throw out as a possibility that um, this year is going to be weird. Why? Let's, like, just because of the political realities of what we're dealing with globally at yeah. this point. 
I can, if, if it continues in this manner, I can kind of see a World War II Call of Duty coming out at the end of the year being like, hey, remember when it was 2006 and you didn't worry about anything? Yeah. 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 Remember, remember when the worst thing was like, oh, I hope I don't have to, I hope I get my tax refund this year. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, remember when you just sit down and sort of like just play this thing and everything was cool and you knew who the good guys and the bad guys were. And like, yeah. it was like you know, I could kind of see that sort of like hitting hitting the zeitgeist right at the right time. And like, just everyone's like, yeah, I want to play World War II where we knew what we were doing and what everything was about. Or could it be a case where people feel like the game hits too close to home? That could be. It could be, too. we don't know who our allies are because our diplomacy's all out of whack. And that could be, too. It could go either way, so... Yeah. I don't know. I still, I think it's a mistake. I, I don't think going backwards is ever the right thing to do. Would I be cool with... A game that maybe flashed back and had a couple sections maybe from mm -hmm. that era to maybe set context for the story. Yeah. Sure, I'd be totally cool with that. You know, it might an be entire game based in that era. i just I'm not excited about. What it. might be interesting for them to do, and I'm maybe you know I'm sure uh, this would take longer than just the nine months they have to sort of you know be agile after the reaction to Infinite Warfare. I would love to see a, a Call of Duty game that focuses more on the idea of the title, Call of Duty. The idea that you, this is about people who serve, you know, men who are, men and women who are, you know, in the military service and like, and sort of follows a start at like World War One or even the Civil War and sort of follow a service family, like a military family that, or multiple ones even, if you want to do world, you know, worldwide and go through all these wars and then follow through the present day and into the future and sort of try to tie like the political and personal realities of what it means to be a soldier in these conflicts yeah. and kind of tie it through this arc of like conflict in the modern world and has, I mean, and how, how they and speculate on what it could be down to like an advanced warfare kind of timeline. Black Ops 2 is a little Yeah, bit Black like Ops that. was doing a very similar thing to that, but I think expand Before it jump the shark. Right, but ex <laughs> expand the uh, expand the scope but make it one game and kind of tell the yeah. story of this a family or a group of people that's in the same I way would that, be that in the same way like the the you know the captain prices keep popping up right. through the Call of Duty series. Yeah. Um, there's a price in in the military. So you know you could even just tell the story of the prices. Yeah. Frankly, um, I think that would be an interesting way to kind of kind of tie it back and bring it back to uh, uh, being about people. because because that was one of the things that Call of Duty Two did so well in World War Two that a lot of the other games weren't doing. Was it you? You felt like a person. You felt like you were with other people in these in these horrible situations. Like you saw, yeah, those, the it was about would... it was about the on the ground soldier, and like yeah. it wasn't really. It was about the spectacle, but it was also about the spectacle of being a tiny person in that crazy situation. The one thing and I, I would count that with that though is bit. that I feel like the earlier games in Call, the Call of Duty franchise jumped around too much. And I'd agree with you that. You never yeah. stuck with like one guy so that you actually ended up caring about that person. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's this mission. You're playing with this guy from Germany. Mm -hmm. Now you're playing this other guy who's in the British SAS or mm -hmm. it, it just would always hop around. Well, I think that's where that's why Call of Duty 4 really nailed it is uh, you had those th three characters and then they got they killed the marine which no one thought was you know no right. one expected that because yeah. like they you know nothing like that. You're always following these different threads and it's like, yeah. "Oh, sorry." Snip, you know, yeah, uh, which was a shocker at the time, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think that's where they really nailed the idea of like kind of just showing different points of view of a global situation unfolding all at once. Whereas before in the World War II, things they would just kind of what Call of Duty 2, they did jump around a lot. And Battlefield Battlefield 1's problem, too, is you don't really get it by the time you get into the shoes of these guys, it's over, yeah. 
Um, You're right. But I think if you kind of take it and sort of make it about an, uh, you know, a family line or an, or an ongoing sort of arc through through history, you could get some some mileage out of that, and you could get a thematic. Uh, you know, it's, uh, thematically, you get something out of that that isn't really something they've covered in the recent games. That maybe give it a different flavor. Yep. Well, we should be finding out pretty soon. Uh, probably within a month or two, we'll get that first little teaser of the game, which usually that first little teaser gives you the setting. It doesn't show much usually, but it'll give you the setting. Yeah. It'll know kind of what era it's in. So we should know that in the not-too-distant future. I am still 100% against the series going backwards, and I think it'd be a huge mistake. But Well, one way or the other is going backwards. Because yeah. they're, they're retreating from the future stuff. Right, yeah, I mean, they've already went on record as saying that, so... You, you, it's a matter of how far backwards yeah. <laughs> and, and how much it hurts. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about something I predicted, Matt. Mm -hmm. I predicted that this was going to happen. E3 is opening itself to the public, selling tickets to the general public. How many tickets is it? Like 1,500? 15,000. 15,000. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. Which is like... That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like half of the attendance mm -hmm. at an average E3. Mm -hmm. So they're going to... What was the maximum? What was like 2006 when they when they were like, holy crap, this is crazy, we're going to Santa Monica. I think it was How only much... like 40,000 or something. It? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So... E for All, remember that? Yeah. That little side thing? They're turning it into E for All, but... Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite shoots of all time. There was <laughs> nobody there. Blair Herter and I went to shoot. We were supposed to shoot the. Well, it was a. It was the that vest that like kicked you in the chest when you got shot. In yeah, there, yeah. That's what I wanted. I have one of those actually and in like, my closet at home. And we, I'm, it was just like this weird. Like no one was there. And I remember at one point, like we decided, like I have an idea. We just stand with a camera crew in the middle of the floor and. Slowly, you saw the PR people emerge and like <laughs> come over and ask if if we wanted to see their thing. We're like, yes, we would. And we, that's, that's how we decided what to shoot was whoever yeah. came over and pulled us to their booth. <laughs> it was uh, we we were just hung because the the center of it was just like you know it's the same hall as E three, but it was the center was just nothing and a trash can. It was just the center of the floor area was a trash can. Yeah. So we just sat there, put our drinks in the trash can, and like waited. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever It's like you're shot. a prostitute waiting for kind a Kind of, yeah. We were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like just, just... You're walking the strip, just, doing your yeah, strut. Just stick your microphone out and they'll see that we're media. Just do it. <laughs> it's like, it's the equivalent of like wearing a short skirt. <laughs> yep. We got so many Entropia demo discs. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. So, so basically they're going to like add 50% more people to E3. And again, I did predict this. I knew they were going to start. I figured they had to, to start letting people into this. Otherwise, it was going to become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much exactly what E3 said when they announced this. And is this, do you think this is also like a move to try to keep people from pulling an EA? Maybe. Like, look, we're letting the, the, the real people in. Like, don't leave. Well, I think I also predicted that more companies were going to do what EA did. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see more of them start to leave and do their own thing. Waiting and, on the Activision. And this may be exactly what that is. Is mm -hmm. them, like, saying, okay, we need to meet in the middle here somewhere. Otherwise, E3 is just going to go away again. Um, Matt, how do you feel about this? Um, like, personally, or as someone who would... Well, let's, uh, let's talk about... We'll talk about it from, from two different levels. We'll talk about it from... First, we'll talk about it from our perspective as working journalists going mm -hmm. to the show and trying to work. And then we'll talk after that about what it's like to just be an attendee who wants to go. Right. So as someone who goes to E3 and tries to get something done, how do you feel about it? I uh, I think I would have cared more like 
10, 12 years ago. Yeah. But now I know everybody so well that I don't really worry about the bigger crowd because I just need to go find my friends and see what I need to see and that'll be that. It's not going to really impact me much, I don't think. That, I would agree with that a thousand percent. And not just because we know more people now than we did then. I just think the way E3 is set up now, it's not like it used to be. Mm -hmm. Like it, back when we worked on X-Play, we would, I would schedule everything for us for E3. We'd set up time for a booth tour. Right. Where their rep would come out of the little PR station and walk us around their booth showing us each game. And a lot of times they bring out the developer who was working on that game to come out and talk with us. If not, the PR person would kind of give us their little spiel. We'd do our booth tour. We'd go back. We'd cut it all together into a two, three-minute segment. Off we go. And back then, the amount of people at E3 was a big freaking deal. Mm -hmm. Because you're constantly tearing down and setting up and tearing down and setting up and people are walking through your shots and people are bumping your camera or people are behind your talent like giving them rabbit ears or whatever that stuff doesn't really happen on the show floor anymore mm. every publisher in their booth now has a private area where you go to conduct interviews and a lot of times it's great because they'll have like a spot on top of their booth that's overlooking the whole show and you have that great shot behind the people that you're shooting it used to be back in the day that wasn't the case. We shot everything on the floor with mm -hmm. all the other attendees, and it was a nightmare. Yep. You still deal with this at Comic-Con. Yes, that's and, true. And in Comic-Con, it's even worse because the press has no priority there. Mm -hmm. They're just like, you're here because we're letting you be here, not because we need you here. E3, they need the press to be there because these publishers are investing all this money to get mm -hmm. coverage. So... The times have changed at E3. Like, you see all these people, this footage right now, the B-roll that we've shot. You see lots of people waiting in line to play the games. But we don't have to, as journalists, we don't have to fight for that anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't have to fight with those people well, for space. Not, not too many people in line there. No, well, that that's the WB <laughs> booth. That's the Lego dimension. That's what happens booth. when you're no showing all Lego games. Yeah. <laughs> but the, it's all, it's changed now. It's not like it used to be. So I'm right there with you. Like, I honestly have no problem with all these people coming into the show. In fact, I think it's good because, again, you can look at this B-roll, you can see lots of empty space mm -hmm. on the show floor. And this isn't even Thursday. Right. Which is like, because once they start, because now they check uh, 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 photo ID. Uh, so if you, whenever you go in with your badge, you have to show a photo ID and show that your name on the photo ID matches the name on the badge. And, of course, what used to happen is, like, all the executives and people would leave Wednesday and hand, and their, hand their badge off to their employees or whoever wanted to go the next day. And now you can't do that. So, instead, you go on Thursday and it is a ghost town. Right. Because it used to be people who weren't supposed to be there were in there on right. Thursday using someone right. else's pass. Exactly. And so, I'm, I remember a couple, couple of years ago, like, it was, like, we were standing, a bunch of us, like, Sessler and a bunch of us were just standing around in, a, in an intersection in the main hall just five or six of us in a group in the middle of an intersection. There was no one walking past us. And we're looking yeah. around and we're like, you, you want to go to the bar? And we're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> it's like, it was, it, E3 was over. Like, yeah. It was just over. And everybody else, you know, the people working booths were just trapped there. Yeah. So at least if you're letting the public in, there'll be someone there to see stuff. Right. You won't be wasting your money being there an extra day that, you know, that the, the big wigs don't want to be there for because their business is done. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's going to make it harder to walk through the floor, but it's like, that's a small price to pay for, you know, making the company, I guess making the publishers feel like it's worth coming to this still. I mean, they had to do this, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, they had to try it, you know, maybe it won't make a difference, but I feel like it will at least make it look more crowded. Well, you know, and of course everybody has 
you know, a social media presence of some form now, so it's still coverage. It is. Yeah, people... I mean, it's still buzz. It's still... Uploading photos to yeah. Twitter or Facebook from their personal account. Other people will see it. I mean, mm -hmm. does it really matter where it's coming from? Right. And, of course... As long as it makes it in everyone's seat. And, I mean, how? Have you read some of the coverage that E3 gets from official outlets? Is it all that different from Johnny Whoever really uploading not. a photo from Actually, before? Johnny Whoever is probably way more informed than Yahoo or USA yeah. Today or whatever. Yeah. So I, uh, I have no problem with this at all. Um, let's talk about it from the perspective of our viewers, our sifted subscribers, who are trying to figure out whether they should go or not. So have you seen the ticket prices for this, Matt? It was like 150 to 250 It's like 150 early bird and then 250 like per day. Mm -hmm. let, let me just tell you, if you're thinking about doing this, don't do that. Don't do don't, it. Don't pay 250 bucks to wait in line to see a trailer you can see on YouTube. It's not, but they're not going to see a trailer. Mm. The reason people would go is to get free swag. Which number doesn't, one which doesn't really happen. Anymore. Number one, probably, I would say, most people want to go to get free swag because they've seen us in the past and other journalists come back from E3 with like gobs of awesome stuff. And it used to be back in the day, maybe like 2006 or so. Yeah, you did come back with awesome. Well, stuff. I came back with a wave bird once. Yeah, I mean, I, I my one of the first E3s I ever went to. I got like a, it was when the Pokemon trading card game first launched, and I got like this crazy rare E3. Pikachu card mm -hmm. that I cannot find. I have somehow <laughs> lost it, but that card now is worth like a thousand dollars. It has like this very specific like stamp on it, and like there's a thousand dollars in my stuff somewhere, and I have no idea where it is. Back in the day, I would totally get that, but you don't get squat from E3 no, now. Not anymore. Like you'll get these chintzy like burlap bags that they give you just so you can hold the other crap you're not gonna get, basically. Right. That. That's and, what he's come down yeah. to. Or like lanyards. They love to lanyards. get lanyards. Who cares about a lanyard? Posters, I've seen them giving away posters because they're mm -hmm. dirt cheap and don't cost. Yeah. The only other way you get stuff at E3 anymore is if you wait in line to play the games. And the, what I was getting towards is that's the other reason people would go. is to be able to play a Zelda game a year before it comes out or whatever franchise that they're into. Well, this year I imagine most people would be going to play Mario Odyssey. Right. Or wh whatever the big game ends up being for Mario this year. Mario Odyssey. I mean, that's the other thing. Is like, a lot of these big games, not playable by anybody on right. the floor unless you're doing the demo for them. For and I'm company. wondering if the publishers are going to change. That's and a good if question. they're going to be like, hey, the Will they have more stuff to give now? out because of the, you know, maybe. I mean, literally, you're talking about lanyards. That's exactly what a lot of these booths were giving away. Yeah. Like, I played, like, I did play some games in the booth this year. Like, I played uh, Forza Horizon 3 in the booth. And, like, you have to wait in line. And we didn't have to, but I watched what everyone else was doing. You have to wait in the line. Then you cycle in. You get to play. And then as you walk out, they literally handed you a lanyard. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to play Zelda, if you wanted to play Zelda at last year's E3, the, I mean, we have footage of the line. It was, it was all day. All day. To play one and game. And that was if you got in when they opened the door. Right. And so you're talking about a minimum $150 to play that one game. Because yep. the biggest game, it's always going to be that way. And you, if you played Zelda, you got a, a little coin. Right. Which you could probably sell on eBay now for... Or about what you paid for a ticket. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not such maybe. a bad idea. You're still standing in line all day yeah. waiting to play one game. I mean, I used to, you know, when I used to go before I worked in, you know, you know because let's face it, the public's always been going to E3. <laughs> To some degree or yeah. another. Um, but that, yeah, you'd sit in line for whatever. But you'd always get something interesting at the end of it. And it's just not 
how it works anymore. Yeah, I mean, if, look, if you're if you're maybe you're saying, okay, I want the double whammy. I want to play that one game per day that I really want to play, and I want the swag. Factor the swag part completely out mm-hmm. of it. That is not. Yeah. If you, I would happen. I would say the most valuable if you're thinking about if you want to go and meet people in the industry, if you want to go and network and kind of. You know, experience the social aspect of. Or if you're an artist and you want to pass somebody your reel or something like that. I mean, GDC is better for that. It is really. But um, you know, E3 is about the spectacle more. But like, you know, that's a valid thing. I mean, being in the being in the heart of it is cool if you've never done it. I mean, that's the thing is like being being in the middle of this crazy thing. Uh, so, so that yeah. is is probably you know, I've think... never done. I mean, I've done eighteen of these things, so like I don't you know I have just, I'm just a jaded dickhead. Right. So like, if you've never done it, yeah, if you can get the hundred fifty dollar early bird to see it for one day, I'd do that. But no I think also too, if you're someone who, say, you're working in a field like I was, like journalism or programming or anything like that, where a field where you could you're trying to figure out which industry you want to go into. And you're trying to figure out if games is where you want to go. E3 is a great way to figure that out, so you don't end up wasting the rest of your life working in an industry that you don't want to work in. Because look, everyone will say, "I'd love to work in games," but it's not as glamorous as you think it is. Ultimately, right. it's a lot of work, and there are jerk bosses in gaming, just like there are everywhere else. We've seen the stories everywhere. Not everyone who works in gaming is cool. So. This is a good litmus test for you. You want to come and rub elbows with the people in the industry. You want to figure out if the people that are in it are people that you can relate to. It's worth the $150 investment to just come and absorb yourself in the whole scene for a few days and figure out if it's really something that you want to be a part of or not. Um, Those are big decisions for people who are in college and about to graduate. I mean, I did the same thing. You know, I was working on my little fan site while I was going to school at Temple. And I was like, I want to, should I be a sports writer? Should I be, try to work in games? And so I just saved up a bunch of money and went to E3. Mm -hmm. And for me, within two days, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, why would I ever, I don't see any journalists here, one. (laughs) I'm like, there's hardly any competition. I, I knew that there were... 50 other people just in my graduating class at Temple that wanted to be sports writers and just getting an internship at the Philadelphia Inquirer, mm-hmm. like, you had to, like, bribe somebody to get it. Like, yeah. I just started and looking that's around. Also like, but I it's mean, changed now. Yeah, but I mean, but it's still, like, I think you can make, you could probably make some headway if you were, a, you know, a socially adept kind of, you know, you know, if you were willing to approach people in the right way. Yeah. Um, which I think most, you know, business schools teach you these days anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you know, it's like, uh, and, and really, there's a very low level of, uh, of of barriers in terms of like being able to access most of these people, especially after the show is over. If you find the right bar, yeah. Um, it's like, but like you know, when I was uh, uh, starting, like I remember the first time I was at an event, or I think it was an event, or maybe it was an after party at E3, and um, Andy Eddy was there, who was the editor in chief, editor in chief of uh, Video Games Computer Entertainment, which is my favorite game magazine back in the day. He he just you know when I write game reviews, I'm trying to write like Andy Eddy. Yeah. And like I was like, oh my god, it's Andy Eddy. And people are like, and people are like, well, go say hi, go say that you liked his work. I'm just like, are we allowed to talk to him? <laughs> yeah. And like and and the one the guy I remember I don't think I remember who it was I was saying that to, but he's like, oh now we gotta go talk to Andy and tell him you said that. Hey, <laughs> no, Andy's like, just our friend. Oh yeah, Andy. No, Andy's great, but it's <laughs> yeah. like you know to him the idea that anybody would be too intimidated yeah, to yeah. talk to him is crazy, and that's pretty much true of most people in the industry. If you're a fa- and then and Steve Jobs used to tell a story about how. Um, 
Uh, when he was a kid, he wanted to do, you know, tech stuff and whatever, and he wanted to make a... a Before sem- it was called tech right. stuff. <laughs> he wanted to make a semiconductor, and you, he couldn't get parts for it at, like, a Radio Shack or something, so he yeah. called up, uh, I can't remember what, I think it was, like, IBM or some, some, some no, major company, and, he's, and he's like, story. he called up the guy who does it, and he's like, yeah, I'm, like, you know, 14 years old, and I want to make this thing, and I can't get these parts, and the guy's like, how did you get this number? Yeah, yeah. And, like, in, and he's, and he, but he gave him the parts, and, right. him, and he brought him on as an intern, or, or a, yeah. uh, like, a summer job, like, putting those pieces together right. on the assembly line, and, and, like, Steve Jobs used to say, he's like, he's like, all, it can't hurt to call. Like most yeah. people, just don't even think to call. You're like right. just to try. You know, you never know. The big, the big question here, Matt, is, and the reason E3 is doing this is because it feels threatened by fan events like PAX, mm-hmm. and therefore the big question that we. Really, I don't think they're wrong to feel that way. Right. The big question we really need to answer, I feel like, for our viewers and our subscribers is, should they go to PAX or E3? Because that's what they're going to ask themselves. Right. They're going to be like, well. I can go to L.A. and go to E3, or I can go to Seattle or any other location mm-hmm. and go to PAX. As someone who has gone to both multiple times, and what, you know, in terms of like value for the money, if I was not a journalist or not a anybody... Paying your own way. I would go to PAX. Would you? Yeah. Because PAX is a much more vibrant and interesting community in terms of your meeting peers that are simply there for the love of the game you know it's not as corporate it's not as loud and oppressive it's there to, it's there to make sure you as an attendee have a good time as opposed to trying to sell the th- you know it, it's more incidental at e3 and i know the spectacle of e3 is very hard to resist but i in terms of just like if i was only allowed to go to one show again forever uh i would probably on my own dime i would probably pick pax I think it's tough. It is a tough call, but I, I think PAX is a more I think it depends uh, positive on your, environment. I, think it, I agree. A thousand percent. Culture-wise, PAX, no question. If you mm-hmm. want to go meet other gamers who you'll probably end up becoming friends with on Facebook mm-hmm. and probably go out to a bar a night or two and have some beers with them, PAX, hands down. Mm-hmm. If you want to go and play the best games... And get your hands on the biggest and the best way before they come out. It's E3 without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Most of the games at PAX, like you'll get the token games from each publisher, but most of the games at PAX are indie games. Right. And I, I think my my problem with with that angle on it is that like back in the day when I used to go as a civilian, and you'll get that too at E3 by the way. Yeah, but back in the day when I used to go like as a civilian, it was possible over the course of the two or three days to basically play and see everything I was interested in, and that is simply not true anymore. No, you're right. Like, you are not going to be able to see or do everything you want to do because all the big stuff you want to see and do is going to take you four hours to wait in line for. Yeah. And if you're going there for Nintendo, uh, you got you can do three things at E3. One per day. Right. Well, I if, mean, you, if you go to... If you it was simpler play, last year because there was only one thing to do at Nintendo. But right. Like, if you want to play Nintendo's big game, that's a day. If you want to touch... You know, that's a day. But... Honestly, you can play pretty much everything that's else that's playable in another day. Yeah. Like, you'll wait, most lines you'll wait 40 minutes before you get to play. And you figure the show's open for eight hours, like, you want to play the eight biggest games at E3, mm-hmm. you can do that in a day. And the other part of it that I would contend... Bring a battery pack for the Switch. Yeah. And the other, the, other, the other part that adds a little more credence to E3 as well is going to Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. is an amazing city... And I would hope if somebody came here for E3, 
they would take some time and go down to Santa Monica and Venice Beach well, and go to Hollywood and that, that's more feasible now that you can take the the, the train out to the beach. Uber makes but, everything possible now. I suppose. I mean, I go to Hollywood on Friday and Saturday nights to go out. I spent $8 getting home from yeah. Hollywood. Just, like, just be, be be aware that uh, Los Angeles is bigger than you think it is. It's huge. Like, right. like sometimes, I love it when like we're doing E3 stuff and people are like, oh, we'll just have them pop up from E3 to do an interview over there. I'm like, you understand it takes 40 minutes to get from downtown to Hollywood, right? Yeah. It's like, but it's like, it's, it's a, it's LA, a look, Seattle's a great city and no disrespect to anyone that lives there. I have a lot of friends who live there and love it, but LA's a world-class city. Like, it is incredible. Especially, it's so funny, like, I'm so jaded about it now, but, like, I was watching some show last night where somebody who lives in Brooklyn was flying into LA for the first time, and they're on the plane, and they're looking down at LA, and their face, they're just like, ah, ah. Oh, it's huge. Like, the closest thing you can get to Tokyo. Right. And it's the, and so place. there's added value there of mm. of being able to come to LA. And I'm assuming most people aren't just going to fly in, go to E3 and fly out. Like, they'll spend a couple days here. That's added value as well for me for E3. Yeah, that's the main thing is like if you're going to see anything else in in LA, those are separate days from the rest of yeah uh, E3. Yeah, because E3 is downtown, and downtown is not a part of LA that you come to as a tourist. It's although it is becoming it's getting more better because like there's a yeah. there's a lot of when I first great, moved here. Oh, and you oh when we were first down there. Oh, it's like, it's like yeah, you go to the you go to the convention center and then yeah. you take a taxi wherever else you need to go because yeah. you don't walk after dark in downtown. But now downtown is. Like super hopping and happening yeah. and, and gentrified and uh, there's art walks and yeah. amazing food everywhere. And so I just think it depends on your goals because mm. if if you're trying to get into the industry, you want to meet people in the industry, you want to play the best games, you want to have the best time possible outside of the show. To me, it's E3. If you want to go and make friends and have a really cool hangout for a weekend. And see a cool city too. Seattle's yeah. a great city as well. And I think, PAX. Ha- you know, and yes, the you know the giant stuff isn't there at PAX, but you're probably more you're much more likely to get one on one time with with developers and people who are really you know people who are much more involved in the game than sort of you know representatives that were hired just to work E3. Yeah, um, there's a more personal touch to that for sure. Um, and that's you know, like E3's got a lot of bragging rights to it, especially if you have a group of friends that love games, and you're yeah. the only one who you come can, back can with your E3 to go to E3. Yeah, um, yeah, they do sell uh, yeah, official merch. official yeah. merch. That's true. But you better buy a Sifted shirt before you buy an E3 shirt. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if you find Shane at the show, he will he will draw an E3 on the Sifted <laughs> shirt for you. Be... Actually, if you see me at E3, I'll probably be carrying some shirts in my bag. I'll probably that's give you true. one for free if you can prove to me that you're a, a member. So. Which one would you rather go to? Would you rather go to PAX or E3? Um, this year, like? I guess. Frankly, I'd rather go to E3 because it's, it's, a, it's a lift ride away right. and not a plane ride <laughs> yeah, away. Like, that's a good point, too. Um, I'm just over the, the, the traveling thing for these major shows. Yeah. But, uh, um, also, like, PAX feels like a young man's game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it I, is. I, I have my social circle. I have my... We stand my out a little bit now at places like PAX. Yeah. Like, we walk in and they're like, there's an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> They're not like the twenty to like twenty-seven year olds like most of the people at Who PAX. invited Ebenezer? Right. It's like, it's like, <laughs> Is that guy security? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also he must with, own one of the companies. You yeah. Know? Like, I also no. prefer E3. Like I love PAX. I love the vibe at PAX. Mm. But well, the advantage for me, and again, this is not you know meant to be advice to you know people deciding between the two. I also pick, would pick E3 because. Everyone I know in the industry is going to be there. Right. You know, it's like it's like the other part of it too is that EA does its big fan event now. 
I'm assuming E3 is going to ditch its little fan event since it's letting the public into the show proper now. I guess, yeah. They haven't. I didn't see anything saying whether they were or not, but I'm assuming that that's the mm. case. Because why have this other weird like offshoot thing when you can just let people in? Yeah, this was one less venue to have to pay Right, for. and the EA thing's a good time, and it's more PAX-y, PAX-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of get a little taste of that as well while you're uh, at E3. So yeah, if you can swing it to get to the EA thing as well, that's probably a pretty pretty darn good trip. Yeah, all the, all told. Either way, I think you're gonna have a blast. Yeah, you're gonna play games you never thought you could ever also play. Be aware, you're gonna like, meet people you never thought you're gonna meet. Also, be like people. I've seen a lot of people that you know come out to LA for that thing. It's like, oh, and then we'll go to Disneyland. Disneyland is not just across the street. No, people. it's like it's 33 it, miles south of Los which Angeles. Means like, in you, some cases, like an hour and a half or two hour drive. So. Yeah, or a train ride. Right. Like that far. I mean, that's yeah. that is that is a whole day. It's not you a hop in Can't just can't just pop down and just ride Space Mountain. No, and no. jet. You can't do it that way. But I highly encourage you to do that. Yes. Just. Be, be prepared. And just ride Space Mountain. It's the only ride worth riding, in my opinion. So. Oh, no, there's, there's a couple others. Star, the revamped Star Tours is worth riding. I haven't done that yet. Uh, and if you are willing to pay for, to get into California Adventure, Cars Land is awesome. I don't even like that movie, really, but uh, certainly not Cars 2. But it's it's late up at night. It's like a tribute to Route 66. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then you ride the rides, and it's just so stupid animatronic things, just as you float down in like a creek. You haven't been to Disneyland in a while, have you? I was there, I don't know, two, <laughs> two or three years ago, I guess. Yeah. There's some good stuff there. Star uh, Wars Land 2019. Go to Six Flags if you come to L.A., it's way better. All right, let's move along. No. Yes, it's way better. <laughs> no, it's not. Unless you're a Disney whore, it's way better. That doesn't even make any sense. It does make sense. It has the best rides in the world. I thought that was the one out in like the Midwest. No. Oh, my God, the Six Flags here is incredible. Better than the one out, like, was it, like, Indianapolis or whatever? I mean, I've never been there. I know this I thought that Flags, was, like, the king of Six Flags. It could Flags. be. I know there's more roller coasters than you could ever ride in a day at Six Flags here. So, just my recommendation. If you love Disney, go to Disneyland. If you love rides, go to Six Flags. Bring, bring uh, protection. <laughs> like a gun. <laughs> it's a scary... Sometimes it's a scary... Place. It's a little rough at Six Flags. Yeah. yeah, it's a little rough around the edges. I like that about it. That's gritty. I know. It reminds him of home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it really does. Shane doesn't want to go to an amusement park if there's no chance that someone will, st- will steal Stab a stereo. Stab me or pull a gun on me. Steal a stereo as, as he's parking. Right. <laughs> All that's right. My, that's, my, that's my favorite Philadelphia story of yours. The guy who stole your stereo while you were at the car. Yeah. Like, well, I was replacing yeah. the battery that someone had stolen. That's great. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the next controversy uh, from this week, which was actually a controversy that started about a year ago, actually, when two guys who mm-hmm. were running a YouTube channel started promoting this gambling website that they did at the time, did not disclose that they were running. It's kind of important. They acted <laughs> like it was a sponsorship. Right. They acted like they found it. Like right. They, well, they no, accept- they, they acted like it was a sponsorship. Because actually, if you mm-hmm. roll that the video that we have queued up, you can see right here at the beginning, these videos mm-hmm. are still up on their YouTube channel, by the way. Oh, nice. At the beginning, there's that like little promo. Hey, go check out this cool like right. FIFA gambling site that I found right. or that we're sponsored by, blah, blah, blah. It was like, because I, I, I remember watching that back then and like thinking like, oh, they're acting like they found it, but actually they found it. They found it. Did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not just a grammar error. This guy, this is actually the guy, one of the two guys that eventually pled guilty. So what happened this week is they realized they were not going to win their case. And their lawyers instructed them to plead guilty. And ultimately what happened was it was a plea bargain deal 
the guys are not going to do any jail time. They're paying fines. Between the two of them, I think the grand total was 265,000 euro in fines. Wow. Matt. So ba these guys are found guilty of not just misleading people, uh -huh. but basically convincing kids to gamble. <laughs> because I don't know if, you, if people know how this works, but basically what it is is FIFA, as you play, you earn coins. Uh -huh. And for whatever insane reason, <laughs> EA has allowed there to be a loophole to where those coins can be exported from FIFA where they then go into these exchanges where people will pay real money for the FIFA coins. Or they can gamble their FIFA coins. And then there are exchanges where they can take those coins and exchange them for real money. Does EA get a cut of that one? No, no. This is all illegal, unregulated. So in... How, how does... It's insane, dude. EA hasn't shut that down or anything? Why would they? It makes more people buy their yeah, game and play their game. True. And if they're not on the hook for it. Sort of like back when you could use that one FIFA game to like steal like right. packs. Perfect on, uh, example. Yeah. And they're just like, but not our problem. Everybody buy FIFA. Right. So it's, <laughs> it created this gambling market. And the crazy thing was over the holidays when I was driving around the East Coast listening to the radio, I think it was NPR or public radio or something. They did a profile on a kid who had fallen for this and had started gambling on these stupid FIFA coins. Because basically it's like, some of them are just like slot machines, mm -hmm. like digital slot machines where you just hit the button and whatever comes up, that's how many coins you... And these kids had become hopelessly addicted to gambling. This one 12-year-old kid had lost $10,000 before his parents realized that he had like drained one of their credit cards. Like he got so bad... When he ran out of the coins that he had earned and won coins with gambling, he stole their credit card to buy more credit. Mm. So he no longer cared about the game or cared about FIFA. He had just become a gambler. Like, he just, <laughs> like, he lived 12 years old. He had become addicted to gambling. So this has happened for thousands of people because of these dumbasses. Because they're YouTubers. They're on YouTube. They have millions of young kids who look up to them and worship them and think they're the shit. It's, they're, it's, they're just like the Pied Piper. They dance on over to that gambling site and those kids follow along and they're turning little kids into freaking gamblers, degenerate gamblers. So they settle. Basically, they get a plea bargain deal. They, ble they plead guilty, get the 265k fine. The one guy got hit for way more than the other guy. I don't know why. But the question that I wanted to ask you, Matt, and kind of discuss is, are, are these people who are getting busted for things like this, not just this case, but people who get caught doing other nefarious digital things like hacking and things like that, hardly any of these people ever do jail time. They always settle out of court for sometimes an undisclosed sum, sometimes disclosed like this one. Do you think it's a good enough deterrent? Do you think it's really going to deter people from doing this type of stuff, knowing that no one's going to jail for it? I feel like if you're not deterred by the fact that you're ruining children's lives, you're not going to be thinking about the jail time or the lack thereof. I don't think it matters. I think people, At all. If people think they can get away with this, they're going to do it. Okay. It, it ties in with one of the, the most important life lessons. Do you think they're looking at these guys as idiots because they got caught? Because they got caught, yes. Right. 
Not because they did it. Right. Because they got caught. Right. Like, that won't happen to me. That's what, that's, that's very common among... So you're saying that, like, it isn't a deterrent, essentially. I don't think it is. No. But going to jail would be a deterrent. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Could be. It big time would be. Because it's like, okay, well, if I make enough money to pay the fine plus a bunch of extra money, you know. Or you just file for bankruptcy. Yeah. And never end up paying the fine anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's like like one of, one of, one of the, the biggest life lessons my dad taught me was he used to say, uh, people will steal anything. Oh, yeah. I learned that anything. living in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's just like, you know, if you can make money off these kids, you know, they don't care what these, who these kids are, what happens to them. They, they got their money. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just how like, it works. Like, these guys also have made all their money on YouTube. Yep. Like, they're big YouTubers. They've probably had double that in the bank already mm-hmm. like this is nothing to them and look he's well, already... exactly that's like it's easy that's, well, yeah. that's what it is and the whole the crazy part about it is like he's already back on youtube he made youtube videos the whole time <laughs> he probably earned enough money while the court case was going on from his youtube videos to pay his entire fine he learned and look he put up a video today and it's curated So, what on... are his videos normally FIFA, just FIFA whatever, stuff. like, here's how to create the ultimate. But, you know, all of them are tinged with this, like, mm-hmm. coin gambling undertone. Like, I started going back and looking through his videos, and, and like, when even when he talks about, like, hey, I'm building the best ultimate team, he tells you how to, like, jimmy the coin system <laughs> to get enough coins to buy the players that you need. And then today, he, you know, after the settlement happens, he comes on his YouTube channel. He hasn't stopped making videos this whole time. Comes on his YouTube channel and issues like an apology and says, oh, I'm sorry, and I know I was wrong. Here's your money back. Oh, wait, no. No, no, exactly. <laughs> that $10,000 that I suckered you into losing on our gambling site? Sorry. Yeah. Oops. Oops. How much money did they just make on that gambling site, let alone his YouTube videos all that time? Yep. Because you figure if people get hooked into his gambling site, they're going to keep coming to his YouTube channel to watch the videos. So he's like, hey, we just put up this ultra rare blah, blah, blah that you can go and play for now. They get, they become like degenerate gamblers, yeah. these kids. And if they really want to, you know, dupe children into becoming gambling addicts, they should do it the legal way and make a free-to-play app. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Or get Looking him at you, Fire Emblem. <laughs> or get him into fantasy football. Yeah, that too. <laughs> That's another legal gambling. <laughs> but I, I just think these authorities have to crack down on these people. Like, you can't uh-huh. let them keep getting by without jail time. Because jail time is what's scary. Uh-huh. Jail time is when it gets real. Like, on the few instances where these people have got jail time, it's glorious. <laughs> when that moment when the court ends and they realize they're going into that room with all those crazy people. Like, that's what has an impact. Other people doing this kind of crap, seeing that footage of that 18-year-old troll going behind bars, mm-hmm. bawling his eyes out, calling for his mommy, that is what will deter people from doing this type of stuff. Watching somebody have... Oh, 265,000 euro, whatever. Like, that's... Somewhat. But I still think someone with the audacity to try to pull something like this is going to see that and just think, that won't be me, because right. I'm smarter than that. I, well, he, and they were dumb. Yeah. Like, they didn't try to cover Which, their where tracks are they, at all. Were they England? They are. We're from yeah. the UK, yeah. Not saying people from Europe are stupid. No, I, just, <laughs> I, I, was, I was wondering that. what legal system they were... Yeah, they went through with. the European legal system, and that's what they ended up with. And I don't know what the, what the jail situation is like there, like... 
I don't know anything about the. We're overcrowded here, so a lot of people who maybe have, would have gone to jail for something ten years ago now aren't. And plus, gets a change in how in things that we prosecute. Obviously, you gotta lock up all those dangerous marijuana smokers. Right. Well, that is light. That may go. It may go back to that way now. But over the last like eight years or so, like that is lightened. Like we aren't mm. as taxpayers, we're not paying for. People who smoke marijuana to go to jail anymore. Well, there's a lot of them still. Yeah, there are. But our prison systems are overloaded. And right. so I well, don't because know. it's become a privatized system to some degree, whereas that has not, to my knowledge, happened in the UK yeah. yet. So I don't know if their jails are overcrowded. Maybe that's why these guys walk. Maybe know. there's just no, no beds for them. I don't I, know. I but. Actually, I bring that. I, I know very little about the United, United Kingdom's prison system. I, I mean, yeah. I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> There's, that's not really a tremendous failing, but I, I'm now I'm curious. I want to I want a Wikipedia the UK prison system. Nolan Elric says never trust a guy with a tribal tattoo on his bicep. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I I think stuff like this is probably still going on right now. We saw T Martin getting away with a bunch of crap. He just left the country mm. to try to escape prosecution. Um, guy didn't lose a lot of subscribers on his YouTube channel through no, all this. It doesn't seem to happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> like I. I think the only way you because he's right back. It's like nothing happened. He's right back on his channel every day saying, What's going on, guys? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> so do his fans are like, Well, nothing happened. Mm. He made videos the whole time, he's making videos now. He's fine. He did all this crazy stuff and made millions of dollars. He probably did. And he's right back like nothing happened. Well, how's that a deterrent to anybody? I I just think it's bad business. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, it's part of the. I think I see it as part of the whole thing, where it's like you just keep running into situations where the law just wasn't written with the internet in mind. It is. Yeah. I mean, it still hasn't. Yeah, there's reform and and updates that have to happen, and these kind of these kind of cases should be where that happens or what prompt those updates. And yeah. it just doesn't seem to. You know, just seems yeah. to sort of eh. Here, pay the money, go away. You know, like, like there's no. He, this, meanwhile, these people are laughing all the way to the bank. Because yeah. he made way more money than he had to pay. I mean, that might start to change as people our age and younger sort of get into, you know, more, you know, higher level political positions. And we understand how this, the, you know, the tech stuff works a little better yeah. you know, as opposed to trying to brief some of these. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just prejudiced against anybody in that powdered wig thing. But I just don't feel like you understand how an online gambling site works, you know. Yeah. Like, but uh, I think that will eventually change, and there'll be some new technological thing that our generation doesn't know how to how to make laws about, like artificial intelligence or something. Like, well, it's like I said, we all we can all look forward to oppressing the in, the self aware robots. <laughs> as, as, think about uh, that though: as AI gets smarter, who's responsible for the stuff that AI does? Yeah. Who well, takes legal responsibility for that? Well, eventually they'll be smarter than us, and we won't have a say in it. <laughs> yeah, so. they'll just kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move along. Next, we're going to talk about Steam. The advantage of doing the show today. This story broke today. Uh, Valve announced today that within a couple months, it is completely changing its Steam Greenlight program. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Greenlight is a program where indie developers can submit their game. The way it's set up now is it'll, Steam users are allowed to vote on the games that actually make it in. It's kind of a form of curation. You're allowing mm. the user to decide what makes it into the program and becomes available. There's some kind of a fee associated with it now. I'm not sure what that is. I tried to dig up the information. I could not figure it out, like exactly mm. how much the developers are paying now. Valve has decided to change that program to where 
you have to pay no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the charge in some cases could be up to $5,000 to submit your game. Matt, why, one, why do you think Valve has done this? And two, do you think it's a good idea? Well, it sounds like they're trying to sort of cut down on the number of games submitted that are like just, you know, reuses of assets, stolen assets, just joke games, like that kind of thing. You know, sort of like the like the stuff that Jim Sterling, like, routinely reviews. I wonder how Jim Sterling feels about this, because that's going to cut into his business pretty hard. <laughs> I am guessing Monday, <laughs> I guarantee the Jimquisition will be exactly about this. Book it. Yep. <laughs> I guarantee it. He'll call it Steam Dick Wreck. Steamed, steamed content. Because <laughs> it's called, it's called uh, Steam Direct is their, right, is their right. replacement. Yeah. Product. So he'll call it like Steam Dick Wreck. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that sounds about right. That's about what, I, that's what I'm expecting to see in a little thumbnail. That's it. Don't let me down, Jim. Um, <laughs> I love Jim. He's I love great. Jim Sterling. Yeah, He's I like great. him too. Um, uh, so like the idea, I think, is that if you're charging like, a, like a, you know four, four figures... To put this game on here, you're probably not going to run into these people that like you know put this terrible Unity re- asset reuse game that doesn't even work, and it's 99 cents. And if they get like you know 100 idiots to buy it, uh, or 100 game YouTubers who want to do a hilarious let's play, you know they've made their money back. Yeah, you know, they're done. Yeah. Um, so like on one, you know, and it's like they're trying well, to find their balance. Also, there's some way that you. I think what it is is if you're when your game goes for sale. You make all the money until you make back what you paid Valve to submit the mm. game. And then once you hit that apex, then Valve starts taking its they're, they're percentage. Cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which seems fair. I mean, uh, I, I, it's, I mean, they've always been pretty straightforward with the idea that Greenlight was an evolving idea. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that they're doing this. I mean, the one thing that always surprised me about Valve is how fast they suddenly do things when... Oh, yeah. They announced this huge change. And oh, we're like, doing oh, it's, it's like, like uh, two, two weeks. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's really weird. And uh, all your games are now going to be colored blue, and <laughs> it happened two minutes ago. You missed it. It's over. We're yeah. done. You know? uh, but, like, I mean, it's like clearly they're going to keep evolving this depending on what works. They, you know, especially like, you know, like they are reactive to community feedback if this goes up and it's just terrible or something, is, you know, it's a detriment to the community. I think they will react to it in, in good form. Um, but I support any method of sort of clearing out the the, the trash that infests. You know, what was what was that thing like? Sixty percent of all Steam games were released last year. Yeah. Because it's so easy to just put garbage on there. Yeah. But like, I get what they're after. I don't know if this is going to be the solution. But what about the little guy who has who has a great idea, Matt, and just doesn't have any money? Like I don't know if you remember when Sifted first launched, we had an indie developer working for us who was writing this weekly feature called Indie Side. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when this happened today. I just kind of Googled for a green light to kind of look for information, or not Googled. I searched for it on Sifted, and it pulled up his article. I almost completely forgotten that we even did those articles. Like he just disappeared after a while and quit writing them. But he wrote about what it was like to be in a screen, the Steam Greenlight program, and like it wasn't all great like getting through it's still not just a free-for-all like at least back then it wasn't like it was still you had some checks and balances that you had to go through and submitting your game was a pain in the butt and there wasn't enough support there to do it it's not just as simple as like hey here's this code like Mm -hmm. it goes up now right but i mean like you said people are already it already costs something to get an esteem green light if you just like you know price it a little bit high enough that you can kind of filter out the unity asset reusers 
And you know, I mean, if you're if you're making a video game, you know, in, in earnest, that's something that's going to be something people want to play. I feel like you can probably cough up two hundred bucks, you know, uh, especially if they're going to. I don't think it's going to be as cheap as two hundred bucks, though. Well, I think there might be some kind of sliding scale. There is. It's not yeah. the same for everyone. They haven't announced exactly how that scale no, works. They, they basically said like we've. They I think they said something like we've polled developers and we've gotten answers all the way from one hundred to five thousand dollars. Right. Um, I feel like the people saying five thousand dollars are probably like Ubisoft, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like maybe, maybe not so much the guy who made uh, uh, Undertale. Yeah. You know, like, although now because Undertale could, was could, a, was a green light game. Yeah. So I mean, but they you know in, even in in this discussion, I think it was Doug Lombardi or, or like they you know they're very aware that there are games that have become hits and become uh, fan favorites that would not exist without Steam Greenlight. I, I mean, I, I don't think they're trying to get rid of that aspect of things, but it's going to be a balancing act that they kind of probably have to, you don't know until it's in practice. I mean, today I read a lot of articles about this and pretty much every indie developer is against it and thinks it's terrible. There was one guy with a dissenting mm -hmm. opinion and uh, he, his comment was what you said, that there's so much noise on mm -hmm. Steam that, you know, even if you have a good game, it's so hard to get noticed because there's just so much for people mm -hmm. to sort through and sift through and the, you know, Steam has the whole curation thing where it looks at the games that you buy and then it tries to target those same genres to mm -hmm. you and market those same genres to you. Basically, if you want to do like a, you know a trash game, you're going to have to step up your production value a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And what's the what's the terrible game that's flying around today? Bloody boobs. Oh, have I've seen that? I've heard about it. I haven't seen it though. Like it's it looks ridiculous, but at the same time, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. It, it's, I mean, it's terrible. You're basically a naked woman walking around a dungeon trying to avoid being sacrificed to an angry god. But like, <laughs> the whole point is that you're naked and the, there's boob boobs. physics, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a more honest. It's a it's a more honest take on Dead or Alive. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, but like a more honest take. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but like, it actually looks like somebody you know. For, for considering what it is, put some effort into it. All right. Um, and maybe that's just what, you know, the new trashy, you know, it's the, that's if you want to make Bad Rats 2, you're going to have to at least, you know, make it an Unreal. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. To me, I kind of defer to the people who are neck deep in this stuff. Mm. And seeing all the indie developers come out today and be like, this is a terrible idea... But why do they say it's a terrible idea? Because they have for, to pay money For what up front? I said, the money up front that a lot of the smaller guys can't afford anything because they're doing this as a side project mm -hmm. or they're just scraping by. Well, you know, like... They, they want to spend that money on maybe getting someone to create music for their game well, instead you know, of just having to submit Well, you know, I feel like that sliding it. scale that they're talking about might include, you know, a special appeal like, hey, I'm that guy and I can't How afford How do you that. prove that, though? Like You got to talk to Valve. You guys gotta be a, you know, that they gotta just get sounds them. way too complicated and messy. What else are they doing? Making Half Life Three? <laughs> well, we're gonna actually. That's a nice segue. <laughs> Good job. I feel like we've exhausted this topic, and we're ready to move on to the next one anyway, which is what Valve is doing. So this week, Gaben's come out of his cave a little bit here lately. Yeah, well, it's he a did new, the Reddit it's a AMA. New year. It was Groundhog's Day. You know. It's... <laughs> He uh, did the Reddit AMA six more weeks, couple of weeks ago, and he just did an interview with Eurogamer, and Eurogamer's like, what the hell, why are you making console games? He basically explains why they're not making console games, and they're not going to make console games. Mm -hmm. And then they ask him, are you guys ever going to make like a real game again? And he drops the bomb that, oh, by the way, we are working on three 
full VR games. Matt, does this make you happy or sad? Um, well, as a Vive owner, it makes me happy because the lab is the best thing on there to some degree. Yeah. So clearly they know the, the form and whatever they make will probably be pretty darn good. Uh, at the same time, if you can't play them outside of VR, it doesn't really help a lot of people, does it? No. And here... He, and granted, he, Valve does not need to make things that sell tons of copies because they own Steam. They make tons of more money than they can spend already. But, like, the idea that to play the next three Steam, uh, Valve games, you would have to buy an $800 headset is bullshit. It is. It totally is. And here they mentioned, actually, Nintendo, or Gaben mentions Nintendo. He says that, you know, Nintendo is his company that creates hardware and releases hardware, and then it's obligated to create software to make the hardware a success. And he said uh-huh. that's how he views Valve with the Vive. Uh-huh. Is that we've committed to this hardware. If we don't make it a success, no one's going to make it a success. Therefore, true. Therefore, we are creating these three games. But they're it's like not... What, it's like what they did with Half-Life 2 and Steam itself. Right. That's why I have a Steam account originally, is because you had to sign up for it the to Trojan get Half-Life Horse. 2. Yeah. I actually looked at my Steam account uh, a few days ago, looking at like when I bought things. So like, the first day of Half-Life 2, I got Half-Life 2 and the Half-Life pack that gave you all the Half-Life stuff. The next game I bought was three years later. <laughs> I, I, I just... I you had probably forgot you even had the account. Yeah, pretty much. Like, well, it was the non-issue until about 2010. Well, it also, when it first launched, it was kind of a piece of junk. Oh, and, for sure. It was, mean, nothing was on there. Right. It was, just it was like, like, I could totally see why you'd just sign yeah. up and then just jet. Then all of a sudden, like, the you know, the Steam sales started, like, a few years, you know, like, 2010. And all of a sudden, you start seeing more and more stuff in the, yeah. in the timeline. And then it's just, that's my main gaming platform on the PC now, that yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, I think... Uh, uh, Matt, is this pot smart? F, pot, pot F2? I don't know. Puts it, puts it right when he's... And they say, uh, Valve is the best developer in the world when they want to be. Yeah. They, they just don't want to be very often these days. I, uh, do you think this is a smart move, though, by Valve? I feel like, at this point, VR is a lost cause, man. Like, I'm really just starting to, like, go sour on VR. I... Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'm sure you saw that Oculus pulled 40% of his demo units out of Best Buy. Yeah. They're saying it's a seasonal thing, but a lot of the people who are running those, and again, anecdotal evidence, but they've gone on record as saying that like some of them would sit there all day and not give yep. a single demo, or in a week's time, they'd sell like two headsets during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's too expensive. It is. It is. And like to me, and the, the you know the software isn't there. The, the thing you have to play on this is not there. It's not. Uh, Valve could potentially create something. I mean, do you think they would make you buy a headset to play Half Life Three? Maybe. What I would, mean, what happens if they do that? But my point is, that's what it's gonna take. Right. It's gonna take Half Life Three only running in VR. Period. Mm-hmm. For these to take off, and I still question even then. If it will. It's just, even PlayStation VR is too expensive. My sister was here over the last weekend for my birthday weekend. She had called me, I think I mentioned on the show before, she had called me over the holidays saying, hey, what VR should I get my my husband, my brother-in-law? And I hope he's not watching this. I'm totally like, (laughs) calling her out. And I started talking to her about it. I'm like, well, you know, the Vive is 
800 and it's the best, but it's more expensive. Oculus is in the middle and it's priced in the middle. PlayStation VR, if you have the PlayStation 4, it's only 400 bucks. And she was like, only 400 bucks? <laughs> and she goes, what about these like Samsung things? Like, All right. That's what people yeah. are looking at when they're talking about buying VR. Like, and Samsung's doing a really good job with the advertising. They are. Right and the, oh, they're made, those commercials are amazing. Commercials are great. And so it's, and she's the person that they're trying to get. Right. My brother in law likes games, he has consoles. She was ready to buy him a nice gift for Christmas, and mm. she was just like, heck no, the, that, that is not happening. Consu- that consumer is where critical mass hits. That's, it is yeah. exactly. That's the exact person that you're trying to sell it to. She was ready. She had the money, and then she was just like, what? Are you kidding me? That's like the whole Christmas you know, like for my 300 is the new 100. You yeah, know. exactly. That's Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was told, like, Ken Kutaragi, well, go get another job. Yeah. <laughs> 599 US dollars. And I just, I don't think that even Valve releasing Half-Life 3 only for Vive and if they were brave for Oculus 2, I just don't see it. I don't think they'd release that for Oculus. That's... I highly doubt it, but you never know. I mean, Vive I is mean, a thing. It is. So, I, I mean, it'd be interesting uh, to see that happen. I don't know. I mean, people would hack that out of VR so fast, it would not, it would make your head spin. Um, so I don't think it, I, holding Half-Life hostage on the Vive is probably not the best customer service move Valve could make. But at the same time, you could argue they don't need to care about that. Yeah. Um, maybe just make it a timed exclusive for the first year. It's only on VR. Um, that would be frustrating. And I, I even say that as a Vive owner, because I don't really want to play Half-Life Three in VR. Yeah. Um, which I guess says more about VR than anything else. Because VR is fun for like little arcade-style sort of things. But I'm going to sit down and play six hours of a game. I don't want to play it in a headset, even though I... I mean, I don't get... I think a lot of that, people are trying to but figure I just that out get right tired. now with Resident Evil 7, you know? Yeah. A lot of people are trying it for the first time, playing a full-on, real, fully-featured yeah. game. And I mean, I've considered, you know, selling off the PSVR headset. Because, like, if you have... If you have the whole thing... I could get even even open. I could get more than I paid for it oh, yeah. for it because they haven't shipped anymore. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm still waiting for Star Trek Bridge Crew, which got delayed, delayed again. It was delayed. Yeah. Just today. Come on. Just today. <laughs> That's gonna come out like a week and a half before it's been a year since the last time I played it. But they're giving you the Starship Enterprise now. Bite me. <laughs> if it's uh, not if it's not the next gen one, I don't care. I, I just going back to the topic. I just think that Valve is in desperation mode. Yeah, well, they're invested in this thing, right. so they they need to big time give their best shot. And I think they're starting to realize, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't working. I mean, how much R&D money do you think Valve has invested in this? And Valve doesn't invest in hardly anything. No, they believed in this for, yes. for whatever reason. Yes. This is... I mean, this might be the first huge mistake I've seen Valve make, yeah. other than never releasing Half-Life 3. Well, now they might fix that mistake <laughs> by compounding it with another one. Yeah. So, um... I don't know. I, the thing is, like, if they're talking about that now, if you're estimating when, like, their there's games might come out, it might come out right around the time they can start dropping the price on the first gen Vive headset and putting the new one. I mean, then that would only be four hundred dollars. Right. That's <laughs> like, what I'm saying. Like, it's just not there. I mean, it's it keeps reminding me of the Sega CD and the TurboGrafx CD, where it's like the tech is cool. It's definitely the future. You're five years too early. Yeah, well, it's like Oculus. You know, Oculus releases the touch controllers right before the holidays. They show those gloves instantly. Yeah. They're assuming, you know, touch is going to invigorate the market, get people to buy Oculus. It, first of all, it doesn't. No. 
And then today, they show Zuckerberg using these crazy Spider-Man gloves. And it's just like, bro, you just announced your touch. And you're like, don't buy those. Yeah. Look at what I got. It's like, it's idiocy. But they're getting so desperate. They all have bet so much on this. Mm-hmm. And it is just failing miserably. And I feel like we kind of could have told them that, right? I mean, we, yeah, I bought two of them. But, like... Uh, I don't think we were ever like in the oh VR is the immediate future of, of gaming. Well, I think thing. we were always cautiously optimistic about yeah. VR. We loved the experiences that we had it was, with it, but, but we it always, always cautioned people that like the price, the price, the price. We always said, unless you have gobs of disposable right. income, do not buy one. Right. I think and that, I think that's right. Yeah. That's accurate. I think that's what I said. Around Even now, I, it's still accurate. When I got the vibe, I said, like, if you are going to have to cut back on your lunch or something for a month to afford this yeah, thing, don't do this. Don't. Yeah. It's not worth that. It's yeah. not. It's a fun toy, but I think we're seeing that people with a ton of disposable income don't think it's worth it either. Yeah, so. I think so. I mean, they'd rather, I don't know, go to Nobu Sushi or something. You know, yeah, it's like <laughs> you're probably right though. There's a lot of people who go there and spend four hundred dollars on dinner, but won't buy a Vive yeah. or Oculus. It's pretty funny, but uh, it does taste better than the Vive. Would you recommend anybody buy a, a VR head-mounted display right now? No. Somebody's why, rich. Why? Somebody's rich, I would. Maybe, but like even even then, like what would I tell them to play on it? You know, go pl- buy the demo disc and play Thumper, and uh, you know, Raw Data is cool, and play the Lab, which is free anyway. Uh, and Resident Evil Seven, if you like, have a PS4. Resident Evil, but like, except with the exception of Resident Evil Seven, everything I'd be recommending would be like nine to ten months old. Right. Like nothing has happened since then. You're absolutely right. That makes it. You know, a better idea. Oculus signed the big deal with Insomniac. That hasn't amounted to anything. No. It's not looking good, my friend. It's really not. Well, VR will, will arrive one day. Yeah. But it's like, I don't it's think... It's just not... It's just too early. It's too expensive right now. And it still and makes th- me sick. And again, <laughs> let's not forget. Like, everyone, That's a big everyone, problem. Everyone, everyone talks sick. about Everyone talks about quality and power and da 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 um, and this is something that is mostly getting buried in the Switch thing, although the Switch thing is different because support is a problem. But um, can you imagine the Switch trying to do VR? No, thank you. Ooh, uh, but they're like, still talking about it like it's like a possibility. Yeah, they talk about a lot. Of, they're talking about For Honor like it's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like if you're surprised that For Honor and Mass Effect Andromeda are not on this system, I don't know what to tell you. Like yeah. it's not. It can't run it. It yeah. can't do it. But like, like the Samsung, like the Gear VR stuff, like. Um, Let's not forget the PlayStation One was pretty underpowered oh, way at the time. You know, yeah. the, the, be, being the most powerful thing doesn't matter nearly as much as having the content and having the price. It's like the old saying goes: if anything's content gonna, is king. Everything, anything's going to take off. It's going to be Samsung, and it might just you know I, that's the thing that's yeah that commercial where the all the guys are playing with You're the like, thing. Oh my god! And that older yeah. the older guy comes out and is like, "What are you what are you looking at?" The like the older like European guy is like, "Is like what is that?" What is that? And they, they put he puts it on and he's like. Look at the moon. Look at the. Moon. I'm just like that's it. Like that's what gets you is the ability to put that. You know, this, well, was what made me a believer was going to these trade shows and putting this thing on. But what's the difference here? Bunch of kids with a cardboard thing outside a store can just hand it to this guy and he can see it for himself right, right. there on the street yeah. with no cords, no nothing. Yeah. That's where you become a believer out of nowhere, and that's yeah. what's going to sell if they ever come up with content that compels people to actually jump in that aren't involved in that yet. Which I'm starting to become skeptical that that'll ever happen. Yeah. Well, not also ever, also but... telling that even in the ad, they only have one. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're all just passing no, you're around. right. They're, you're yeah. right. That's a good point. Although I guess... And that only costs 100 bucks or right. less. I guess it's also kind of like it make, it's a better visual if everybody's having a communal pass it around thing as opposed to like four kids outside of 7-Eleven with goggles on just not seeing anything. And then having somebody come up and pickpocket yeah. hey, them. Hey, hey. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that, just take their wallet out of their yeah. pocket. That becomes, totally becomes a very different commercial. Seriously. <laughs> get, get away from the store. You're freaking people out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Val, or Valve has made a huge mistake here. I think going all in on Vive and VR was a huge mistake. It's just gonna, it's gonna make people so mad at them. If and they, if they put stuff people want behind a VR wall like this, and I think, why blow all that goodwill? Right, and I think them making these three games is them just throwing money into a bottomless pit. Yeah, they're just chasing it. They're like, oh, we've invested. It's like it's called it's, throwing good money after bad. It is. It's like when you go to Vegas with a group of your buddies. There is always the one guy <laughs> who on the first night loses everything like you know everybody has a budget when they go to vegas to gamble with and like there's always the one guy in your group who literally goes through his budget sometimes in like the first hour yep. like like he disappears and an hour and he later comes he comes back, back he's like i'm broke you're like what the and you're like dude we're we, gonna be here for four we, days we just got back down from the room like wait, how then, did you do that right and then what happens is like he'll hang out for a couple hours he'll disappear You'll finish up at wherever you're playing and start walking, and you'll find him over at a table. You're like, bro, I thought, you oh, you know, I went to the eight, and then they, it's just throwing the money into the more black and more hole. And more. Yep. And no, this time, this time, I'll make it all back. Exactly, and that's exactly what Valve is doing right now. It is chasing mm -hmm. that that dragon's tail. It's never going to catch, and uh, just make some damn games. Hell, just make a Did game. Have... Make a game where I chase a dragon. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> we are. I, I... <laughs> Literally, how about you just take what you're doing and just turn it yeah. into a game? Cool with that. Very thematically appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So I think Valve is flying off the rails here a little bit. Of course, they have more money than God, and, and if anyone can afford to make these kind of mistakes, it's them. But yeah. I still think it's just it's totally off on the wrong track right now. And it's not going to do any. It's not going to. It's just like if it's like, oh, here's Half Life Three or Left 4 Dead Three or whatever. Like you know, you can, it's in VR. It's in VR only. You got to play, play it in VR. Like, all you're going to do is piss me. You're not going to inspire me to spend $800 by doing that. Right. You're just going to make me mad that I can't spend I can't $60 play. and get the game I've been waiting for for 10 years. You're right. Yep. So, hopefully they're not that naive, but it's at the same time, it's like, well, if it's not only VR, what, how does it help you, you know? Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's move on. We've talked about video game movies on the show before. I don't know we've ever really talked about video game television shows, though, Matt. And this week, a huge announcement was made, at least in my estimation, it's a huge announcement, that Netflix is working on an original series based upon Castlevania. Which has been in the works for a long time. Has it? Oh, this is the thing. Warren, Warren Ellis was writing a movie based on Drag uh, Castlevania 3 that is what this... Because from. this show is based on Castlevania Three. Yeah, Dracula's so this is Curse. written by Warren Ellis. The producer, produ showrunners are one of the guys from Adventure Time, and the guy who did that gritty Power Rangers live action short, which was great, too, which was cool. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be animated. I'm not sure. Um, like the pedigree on this is solid. Uh, yeah, the writer is like I can't believe the writer they have working on. Oh, this. Warren Ellis is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the concept art for the project when he was originally starting it is like, I mean, it looks like the old Japanese covers, uh, if they get him anywhere close to this. And they're talking about, like, what was it, the one guy was talking about, like, the inspiration for the art and the animation is going to be kind of, he's like, he said, like, it was like an Akira Ghost in the Shell sort of young, young Justice thing. And I'm like, 
Not seeing how Young Justice merges with those two <coughs> other properties, but hey, it's it's uh, they're all quality work. So hopefully it's good. I was trying to get my uh, my girlfriend excited about it, but she is very skeptical about anything that touches her favorite series. So I think this thing is going to have to basically be the godfather of of uh, animated work to win her over. I'm surprised that people are assuming it's animated because all of the references the people who are working on this show have made have been in reference to live action shows well no the 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 one guy there was an interview from 2015 but he was talking about animation oh really everything i've read this week they were like oh it's gonna be unflinching like the walking dead and game of thrones yeah but like like, that's what they're talking about cartoons but that's what they were saying about the animated version because it was going to be an animated movie and i guess it has morphed into this um, so I don't have any proof that it's animated, but I am assuming it's animated because of why else do you have the Adventure Time guy on this? Which do you prefer? Would you prefer it be live action or a cartoon? I, I think I prefer it be cartoon. Really? If the, arts, if the art style is solid, yeah, because otherwise, like, you're... I, I just don't see how you do... I mean, look, Van Helsing was pretty much a Castlevania movie, too, and that movie yeah. blew. Um, I just, I just... I have a hard time seeing you get the stylization of Castlevania down in live action without it looking stupid. You know, like that. It's. I mean, you look at a show like Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, but Game of Thrones doesn't have vampires and werewolves and mummies and shit running around like as much. You know, they, they save, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, not really. They save that stuff for like a couple shots per episode, unless you're talking about like, you know the one episode they spent twenty million dollars on. Um, like I, I think the anime, you know, animation is uh, is is where you can really go out in a crazy town with the supernatural stuff, and I think that's what Castlevania is going to need. I just hope. I hope it's not like some kind of Super. I hope it looks better than, like, say, Voltron on Netflix. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to. Like, that's what I'm thinking about. So, I'm honestly would prefer. I would prefer see, a I'm live th- action. See, I'm thinking about something closer, to, like Vampire Hunter D. You know, not necessarily super anime, but like right. some detail in there, make yeah. it look, make it look good. Um, and these guys have the. You know, if, if, I, I feel like the, the guy from Adventure Time plus the guy who made that Power Rangers short, like they could combine their forces into something that into would, would be a nice happy medium there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and El- I mean, Ellis is, is a great writer. Uh, he doesn't always work. I mean, there was that pilot for Global Frequency, which is one of his best books, but one of the worst things I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> it, wa- it wasn't aired on TV, but the pilot leaked, and it was not good, even though the source material was rock solid. Yeah. Um, so this is not a slam dunk. But, um, I mean, it's not like I won't watch it if it's live action. But uh, I, I feel my, my instinct tells me it's going to be animated because this was going to be an animated project from the beginning. I honestly would rather have a live-action version of this. That depends how much money they're spending on it. Like, if they're spending Walking Dead-style money on this, but do you think they're going to spend, you know, or even Stranger Things money? But, like, I don't know if they're going to go that hard in for a video game adaptation. That's like a million dollars an episode is a lot. And but see, co- here's the thing. Like, they can structure the show so it is like a Game of Thrones, where you have certain episodes where you spend a bunch of budget on CG and effects... And it can be plot-driven and interestingly written and have great characters that you care about. I mean, it is just a vampire. What kind of effects do you really need? It's not like it's like you have, Castlevania like... Castlevania's more than a vampire. It's like the whole Western canon yeah, of supernatural crap has I to guess, show up. I guess, but, I mean, it's really about vampires. And they've obviously done tons of vampire shows before. HBO had a vampire show that ran for like seven years or whatever. Let's see, now you're just in this like, oh, it's another vampire show. No, no, not at all. I mean, the fact that it's in the Castlevania universe means that it's going to be traditional. Like, 
It's not going to be set in like modern day where well, right, people are exactly. driving True cars blood around. Or like, but like part of the Castlevania mythos is that when Gra- Dracula gets resurrected, shit goes crazy, and like right. suddenly these vampire, you know, like these werewolves start attacking the village, and there's mummies everywhere, and the bats are mean, and like it's like. like I mean, there have been great vampire TV shows from like the '70s and the '60s that were amazing. Like, I remember when I was a kid, there was this show called Cliffhangers. And it was like four different shows, and every week they'd show like an ex- an ex- the next twenty minutes from each one. And the vampire part of that was absolutely incredible. Like you can make a great vampire show without spending a ton of money on effects. I, I just think it's totally possible with great writing, great acting, good sets. I, I just think it's totally possible. Oh, it's totally possible, but that's not what I think of when I think of Castlevania. I think of spectacle. Yeah, really? If you're, gonna, if you're gonna adapt that, yeah, it's a giant castle with like every crazy supernatural thing you can imagine packed into it. Well, they did say in an interview today that they're not trying to replicate the game. They're right. like, there's not gonna be like these sections where they're trying to solve puzzles. Or, right. I don't expect. Or one they're of the jumping to be... over like gas with like swinging platforms. I don't expect one of the episodes to be Trevor has to get through a clock. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's like, <laughs> but I'm just saying like you know you have to you have to play it straight in the same way like say uh like you know like lord of shadows not that i want it to be based on lord of shadows but like lord of shadows starts with that you know the werewolf attack in the village and works up into like okay now he's riding on this magic goat thing or whatever that was <laughs> and like there's you know guys riding wargs and shit i mean it's like there's like you gotta kind of like give me that in 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 the sense of like you know and and that man like when dracula shows up it better be awesome and like yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have to play that to the hilt and you have to play him evil in a way that Dracula doesn't, you know, you ha- I hope at the very least they don't cave on like what vampires are now and kind of the, the tragic hot guy figure, right. you know, this bit Dracula has, I mean, Dracula can drink the, the wine and, and uh, what is a man, a miserable pile of secrets and all that stuff, right. but like he better be like the bad guy, capital B, capital G. Right. Um, I mean, I feel like Warren Ellis gets that. Warren yeah, Ellis yeah. I think this in great hands. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think they've got the right people in place to do something good. I'm surprised um, it's happening this soon. And we first, you know, it's amazing how Netflix can keep this stuff under wraps. Yeah. To, until you know, n- nothing leaks out of Netflix. Netflix is amazing, by the way. Like I just really resubscribed like four or five months ago, and it's like I don't really need cable TV anymore. Like mm. they, it just seems like every week a brand new series is launched. Oh, there's a lot. It's crazy. like that, what, that uh, the Drew Barrymore <coughs> one just came out of nowhere, a Santa Clarita Diet. That I thing didn't is, watch that. That thing is, it's disturbing. Oh, like, I just started watching The Black Mirror. Have oh, you watched but, that? Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix, though. It's on Netflix now. It's on Netflix, but it's a BBC oh, show. It's incredible. But it's fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, I just stumbled across it, and I'm like, oh, here's like three seasons of an awesome show I have to watch. You know, uh, uh, Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed, the season, I think, the third episode of season three. I didn't and realize that was a Netflix. I thought it had like the Netflix thing on it. The logo is for Netflix originals. It might be only on Netflix, but I th- as far as I know, that's a British show. It's great. Um, but I just, but oh, I'm episode, always stumbling across stuff like that. The third episode of season three is by Dan Trachtenberg, who's a, yeah. a, a gaming guy, and he directed yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane, and he's a good dude. Uh, yeah. And that episode is about video games. Yeah, it is. So, totally. uh, There's a lot of, I mean, the whole show's about technology yeah. or whatever. So. I think the second the second episode of the first season where they, uh, it's about the people in the, like where they ride the stationary bikes to earn yeah, yeah. credit. Basically, they're playing life as a free-to-play game. Yeah. I was I, like, like that is one of the scariest things I've it ever really seen. Is. Like that yeah. bothered me for days. Yeah, that whole show is great. If you haven't yeah. watched it, I highly recommend checking it out on but, Netflix. I mean, yeah, it, it's I'm more uh, positive about a Castlevania Netflix series than if they'd announced they were making a movie. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I, I assume this one will be out around Halloween. Maybe. 
seems to make no sense. That's Although that's it. also when I think Stranger Things second season hits, so they're probably going to get everything away from that because yeah. that's, that's going to be the big story. If it's animated, though, is that even really a worry? Yeah, it might not. They might not consider it competition if it's an animated series, but we'll see. I also think people will care a lot less if it's animated. That's just me. Possible, but it depends what audience they're after. Yeah. Um, that's, that is the one caveat about maybe it's not animated is that all the animated stuff that Netflix has done so far has been very squarely targeted to children. It has. And I, I tried to watch Voltron and I just... I like Voltron. I think I made it like four episodes in. You want to know what the problem with Voltron is? Music's terrible. It is. Music has no memorability to it at all. They didn't get the music from the original series. It has no <clears throat> character I to it. I also think it's a little bit like Double Dragon 4. And that they were too concerned about making it exactly like the way the old thing was. Well, it's not... It's, I don't think it's... Because I started watching season two. Because there's like all these implausibilities and corny things that happen. It's just like... It doesn't... If you're an adult watching it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, if you're right. a kid, you're just like, oh my god, they're robots that form together. It's like the enemies of Voltron will just sit there watching him go through this like five minute process of like forming into Voltron. It's well, they, like, well, they just, just attack you dumbass. Well, like, not, they, they made that point in the original and in the new one is like, there's a shield around them that you oh, can't really? penetrate when they do that. <laughs> okay. um, and in fact, one of the episodes of the original series, there was, I think there was a thing where, where Hagar, the witch figured out how to deactivate. Oh, that really? So they could hit them while they were doing that. And then that ruined everything. Cause that's the, the plot of every old Voltron episode was one lion gets hurt. Right. And they can't form Voltron, so yeah. they just fly around, and then Keith goes, Come on, team! And they're like, That's they it. Me. I guess the whole thing. <laughs> um, at least the new, the Netflix one goes on a little, little, little more, more in depth on that with the characters. Um, my try. main thing is that it's just the, the music is not there, and it, like every Netflix show, the pacing is awful. Like, they, it's, like, it's like watching Twin Peaks again, which Twin Peaks is one of the best paced shows ever. If Twin Peaks was a modern Netflix series, the entire story of the first pilot ep- movie episode, like the hour-long movie, that would be the whole first season. <laughs> it's dragged out across right. 13 episodes. So. I mean, if you think about Netflix and their model, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, it's They're like, trying to get as many episodes as they can. But, like, come up with enough story to fill those up. I mean, even Stranger Things got eight instead of 13, but, like, they still ran out of steam in they the middle did. and then got it back for the finale. It's yeah. like... That's my my main worry for Castlevania is like if this just ends up being people standing around talking about how Dracula sucks and we have to like kill him <laughs> at some point and then they get together with a different group of characters and say Dracula really sucks and we really we gotta, gotta kill, him. kill him and then Dracula then gets finally... together with other characters and be like I really suck and I'm gonna kill all them if that's like <laughs> episode six through eight like every other freaking Netflix series I'm just be like guys just move move forward let's make it happen so all right we'll let's come back on. to that when it's when there's more information yeah. I'm sure so. Matt, you may not have realized it, but we are about three weeks away from the Nintendo Switch launch. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Well, in the sense that there's so much we don't know, yes. I don't think... Is there anything we don't know, though? We still don't know what the OS looks like. What it looks like when you start it up. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen well, that. Well, no, we haven't. Yeah, there's footage of the OS. What? Yeah. Well, there's that developer screen. I haven't seen any, like, what no, there's looks footage. Like there's some what? YouTubers that, like, got some footage of it, like, at the event in New York or whatever. Like, the Skylanders game actually <laughs> had, like, the working UI. And I mm. guess the Skylanders guy had no idea how big of a deal it was. And he just sat there and just demoed it to people. Hmm. So... It's out there. That is the one weakness of like when you've got you know floods of everybody. It's like stuff like that can happen and you don't find it. Yeah. Well, somebody found it and like we curated it on Sifted. It's up there if you like search for it or whatever. But 
There's really not that much left. They're never going to give us the specs of the CPU or the GPU. We're just well, gonna... someone's just going to rip that apart. Well, ARM yeah. confirmed this week that it is a Tegra X1 chip, essentially. Mm. Um... Well. Welp. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I wish I had a big graphic to put on the screen that just said, Welp. <laughs> uh, I'd like to know more about the virtual console and how yeah. that works and whether it will be functional when at launch. Uh, how it works with and without the online subscription. Um, what happens, you know, do you pick the game every month when you're subscribed? Or do, does it get assigned to you? What if I already own that game on Virtual Console? Like, what does it mean? You know, does stuff transfer from my account from Wii U? Like, there's a lot of questions um, I have about, about, like, kind of, you know, nitty-gritty things. But I feel like at this point we could have had a Nintendo Direct or... Maybe we'll get one in the next couple weeks about it or no, something? I don't think so. No? I don't think we're getting anything else to launch. I think Nintendo right now, laser focus on March 3rd. I don't think we're going to get anything along those Not lines. even like the week before, do you see like a Nintendo Direct about like, here it comes, get excited, it's going to be all cool. I stuff. highly doubt it. I think they're just going to shift all their money into marketing and just blitz it out. Obviously, they have That is see- marketing. It is to us. I mean, they are, we I mean, already know about it. Like, they need to well, reach but, but, no, they don't. the casuals. No, they don't. That's, well, why would they advertise at the Super Bowl then? Because they want people to be aware of it, so that the word of mouth, when it's when people, when the cat, when the when the core people all buy it in March, they can have word of mouth that convinces people to buy that thing they saw at the Super Bowl this fall. Yeah. That's what it's about. Because look, they're probably <coughs> mostly all gone already, and anything that is unless already... you're in Europe, apparently Europe, you can oh, okay. get them no problem. And uh, well, it is Sony Sony country out there. Yeah. But uh, if you're waiting, you know, in America at least, the pre-orders are gone. And I'm pretty sure most of the people that are just hearing about it now are not the ones who are going to be waiting in line at Best Buy two days before, uh, because those are all the hardcore Nintendo fans. I mean, the, yeah. the two million, the allocation of two million will sell to the Nintendo fans. Like they don't oh, yeah, need to no advertise problem. this thing to them. Although, a Nintendo Direct will reach the audience that will be buying this on March third way more than anything else. I think. Right, but that, that's my point. They don't need to reach those. That's people. also true. But it would be nice. To... So they need, they're going to divert their time and their energy to reaching everybody else that right. wouldn't watch a Nintendo Direct. But uh, I don't think it matters, though. I don't think they're yeah. going to do that either. I, don't, I think they're. I think they've sold what they're selling here. The 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 the, the task. If they looked at the Wii that way, though. Think about it. I mean, the Wii sold out its launch allotment. They yeah. need to think about what what happens after that. You can't just say, That's "Okay, well, we sold everything at launch." Like That's true. But like the, the the work begins at launch, then making kind of a second launch this fall. Yeah. When Mario comes out, yeah. Um, so that's going to be an ongoing process. But in terms, like, I think you could spare the early adopters an hour of a Nintendo Direct to kind of give them a little more information about what they're about to pay you four, four to six hundred dollars for next week. Like, I, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I know, I, mean, I know everybody. A lot of people that have pre-orders are already already done. Like they're getting it. It's 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 a done deal. But it seems like a bone you could throw your your core demographic. Well, I think what you're getting is a whole lot of nothing. So, well, yeah. last episode we talked about But you could use some of that trademark Nintendo spin to make you seem like make it seem like a good idea, you know, keep make people convinced to convince them to keep their pre-orders cuz I know a lot of people are still sort of on their on the fence. Well, last episode we talked about how there was uh, not going to be any streaming services available mm-hmm. for Switch at launch. No Netflix, no Amazon, no anything. Yeah. And I see both sides. I mean, on one hand, it's like, well, it seems weird that you're not giving me, you know, these value adds that are part of just about any, you know, computing device you get You buy a DVD now. player. At the same, it has Yeah. And at the same time, it. it's also My an, argu- TV it's also an argument it. against it. It's like, you have so many things that already do that. One thing that doesn't do that isn't really a big deal. Right. I see both sides of that. I don't, I, that's kind of a coin flip to me. But they did announce this week that there will be no web browser for the Switch. Mm. 
Is that a big deal to you? No, but like it's again, it's telling of how much they're trying to minimize the how OS do you, impact. How do you on the surf minimum. the internet on your TV? I don't really. I'm of a laptop. Usually, that's how I do that. If I really need to look see something on the internet uh, on my TV, it's usually on the PS4 because somebody wants me to sign into my Warner Brothers account or something. Right. So that's really the only time a web browser ever opens on my TV is when uh, some game on the PS4 or something wants me to do something with the website, which is usually Ubisoft or Warner Brothers. It's yeah. one of those two. I mean, how do you watch YouTube on your TV? I don't. You don't? I watch it on my computer. Why? Because my computer's right there. See, I use YouTube on my TV every night without fail. I use it every night. Watch what? Everything that's on YouTube. YouTube is a great place for entertainment, man. Like, all these TV is so crazy to me. HBO shows. Literally, like within two hours after they're done airing live on HBO, all the segments are on their YouTube channel for mm -hmm. free. I mean, YouTube... Well, see, I have HBO, so I don't... So do I. But I don't <laughs> I always catch cable. stuff live. No, I do. I have DirecTV. But you're thinking about getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of I am going to get rid of it because I use YouTube and Netflix now, and I don't need cable anymore or satellite. Like, other than for sports, you don't really need those things anymore. And I do use YouTube every night with my console. Like, my PlayStation 4, after I work, like, I'll put on ESPN for a little bit, catch the headlines... Turn on my PlayStation 4, use YouTube and Netflix until I fall asleep on the couch. That's pretty much my night every night. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. I do care about my console having this stuff because I use it all the time. Yeah, but and, the PlayStation 4 has it. Right, so. but I'm fortunate. Also, the PlayStation 4 is going to be way better at it than the Switch, I, I, I Probably, suspect it would be. Probably, but I'm fortunate. You know, I have enough money that I can afford to buy a PlayStation mm. 4 and uh, all the other consoles. Like, a lot of people don't have the ability, don't have the money to do that. Like... There are some people who are True, going but to if, move if, if you don't, from the Wii U to the Switch. Look, if you don't have the money to get YouTube on your TV, you ain't buying a $400 Nintendo system just to play Zelda on March 3rd. What do you mean? How would you get YouTube on your TV? By any app that comes with a TV or any other console. Like, uh, I mean, only TVs from the last couple of years the Wii have U? YouTube. Doesn't the Wii U have YouTube? It does, yeah. <coughs> yeah, it does. But I, not, above that, like, I use, like, just, not even just YouTube, I'm talking about apps, but web browser, like, music festivals, like Coachella. If I don't go to Coachella for a year, Coachella does a live stream on its YouTube channel. And you can sit there and watch Coachella on your TV, through your consoles, browser, like... I just don't care about it on the Switch, really. It's right. Just, you know, Look, it's it's all minuscule I'm not stuff. saying I want the PlayStation 5 to not have a web browser. I'm right. just saying it's it's... There are so many bigger things to be concerned about with the Switch, I just, it wouldn't enter my Here's mind. Here's the thing, though, is that these are all little things. That yeah. Some people say they don't care about it at all, or maybe they care about it a little, but they all start adding up to a machine that doesn't do anything. True. But you know what really it makes it... It doesn't do anything. You know what's really going to make it a machine that doesn't do anything? It has no Finishing reverse. Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Then it doesn't do anything. But that's what I'm saying. This machine does nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It plays Nintendo games. There's no Miiverse. There's no Jack Squat. It is just, it just plays games. And there aren't going to be hardly any of those. That's the thing. That's the shame of it. Is like it really, you know, what I wanted was a Nintendo box that just played games. I just you wanted, got it. I just wanted one that could play games that weren't last gen power level <laughs> games. You know, I mean, like, some of the other stuff that's come out this week. Uh... I was hoping the next Zelda game could maybe look like Horizon Zero Dawn. You yeah. Know? 
Good luck with that one. Yeah, I don't think that's going to... I mean, if, if there's an, if the Switch is lucky enough to get another Zelda game, it's just going to be another Joy-Con mini game fest. It's going to be, you're going to have to listen to the bottle to find out how many rupees are in it or something. It's going to be, it's, I really, no, there is a mini game like that in one. Yeah, I know. Switch, I, saw, I saw that. It's called Count Balls, <laughs> know, which so is great. which should have been about a vampire, but it's not. That's great. <laughs> Count Balls. <laughs> That should be the name of Dracula in the Castlevania show. Yeah, that'll be the first vampire that Trevor runs into. He Count kills balls. Count Balls. And um, Dracula's like, well, you, you, kill, you ate and you, you killed my balls. So yeah. <laughs> now we're at war. Also this week, uh, pretty much every third party is bailing on the Switch. Yeah, well. Uh, let's see. Final Fantasy XV, the developers behind that said, nope, not <laughs> happening. Couldn't happen, probably. Probably I mean, can't. Project Cars 2 was announced this week. Actually, it was announced like two and a half weeks. I don't know how this happened. Somehow Sifted was the only website on the internet <laughs> that knew there was a trailer for Project Cars 2 like two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I knew that because I, I saw Cause it Because we curated yeah. it. And they put out like actually the second trailer for the game yesterday or the day before. And every website was like... Project Cars 2 announced. I'm like, dude, where were you two weeks ago? Well, we have two We have two trailers for that game on Sifted right now. Every other website has one. I don't know what happened there. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's not coming to Switch. Mass Effect Andromeda, not coming to Switch. Red Dead Redemption 2, not coming to Switch. Borderlands 3, not coming to Switch. Resident Evil 7, not coming to Switch. All of which specifically made announcements this week to say these games are not coming. Resident please, Evil please 7. Please stop emailing us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like. Resident Evil 7 could totally run on Switch, I think. Maybe. I mean, you look at that game, that should be able to run on any console. It can run on VR, it can probably run on the Switch. I'll put it to you this way. Any console that's releasing in 2017, that game should be able to run on it. And yet. And yet. That's the, well, see, this is the thing. Is like, if you're going to release a new console, it should probably be on the same power level as its competition, and this system is not. I mean, Resident Evil 7 isn't even getting anywhere near pushing Xbox, even Xbox One, let alone PlayStation 4. I no, mean, but at the same time, it sounds like, you know, a Wii U game, Breath of the Wild, may not be running at full 1080p, and it's certainly not running about oh, 30 frames a second. They already said it's running at 900, 900p. Mm. There's controversy over that at one point. Oh, really? Well, because someone said that they were saying it was 900p on the floor at the event, and then Numa said, no, it's 1080. And then people were like, well, no, it's, it renders at 900, but it upscales at 1080. Right. That's what he meant. And then someone else said, no, he meant it renders at 1080. I don't think there's a... We're basically... I think we're going to have to wait until Digital <laughs> Foundry gets their hands <laughs> and on and they counts count the, the pixels. pixels. <laughs> um, but it's like, look, the idea that you, you're putting out a new system and it can't run last-gen system games at 60 yeah. is disturbing. It's bad. Because that's what all the remasters on PS4 at are all 1080. about. At 1080! Like, it should be able to run a Wii U yeah. game at 1080p, and the, and of course, 60 frames a second. And, of course, the, you know, the re is like, you know, well, you can only have it be so powerful if you want it to be a portable as well. But the thing here is, like, and this is probably Nintendo's mistake more than anyone else's mistake, but it's like people are trying to spin it as, well, it's a handheld that you happen to be able to play on the TV. It's like, well, but Nintendo's trying to no, sell it as a console yeah. you can take with you. Nintendo's saying the opposite. And maybe Nintendo should be taking a cue from their fans and setting expectations at the handheld level, because ha as a handheld, it's really oh, impressive. Oh, but they're, look, they're, they're not getting rid of the 3DS. Oh, right. Well, because you've got to have something to fall back on when this doesn't work. <laughs> 
Because oh. you can't throw that install base away, even though the 3DS still hasn't sold as many as the PSP, and the PSP was a failure, apparently, right? Uh, allegedly. The, there was one good piece, one piece of good news this week for Switch, and it's the FIFA 18 is going to be the FIFA for Switch, and it is being custom-built from the ground up for Switch. So, Unprecedented partnership. Yeah. <laughs> That's good news, though. It is good. That's I how mean, it should be. That... Well, I, I hope it works. I hope that that game sells like gangbusters because if it doesn't, yeah, that's it. EA will be gone, you, daddy gone. You will not be able to play Madden anything. on your tiny little controllers. You'll never, you'll never get anything from EA again. It's proven this before yep. when it worked with the Nintendo. You got your one shot. Yeah, we'll give you your one shot and then we'll walk away. EA did it with the Wii, with the whole... Yeah. Easy play, I can't remember what the name of it was. The Easy Play Control, whatever the hell they called it. There was like a little tagline for like their mm -hmm. Wii sports games or whatever. Um, but yeah, their sports stuff bails surprisingly quick. I mean, even EA still made other games after that on the Wii. But those, the sports games basically vanished. There is no excuse for FIFA not selling well. It is like literally like the third best-selling game in the world. If there's any third-party game that's going to sell... And it's focused on Europe, and everybody takes trains over there, as I'm told, so there's <laughs> exactly. plenty of reason to carry a Switch And it's you. being built from the ground up for Switch. It should be a great game. It's not going to just be mm. a port, and if that game doesn't sell well, the Switch is going to be in deep doo-doo. Yeah. Which is, of course, also the, the, you know, the, the double edge on that sword, is that you know, it's, it's not, it, you know, before people, were, I think, were worried that they were basically going to dump a last-gen port of it onto Switch, like a 360 version onto yeah. Switch. But now if they're custom-building it, A, that, give, that positions it better to be something somebody might want. But also, if it doesn't sell, EA gets to say, well, we tried our best. Right. You know, we didn't skimp on it. We didn't, like, just they throw some no stupid They backlash. Didn't work. They're like, look, we put the money into it. We built it specifically for this hardware. People didn't care. Yep. And they can slide out the back door <laughs> and be like, ta-ta. Yep. So, I don't know. Here we are... Two, three weeks away from the Switch launch. Are you excited for it? One, two Switch looks like hot garbage, by the way. Oh, yeah. That is one of the worst games I've seen. I mean, since I'm excited to play Zelda because it's yeah. Zelda. I don't, I'm not too excited to have to buy a new system for it. I mean, yeah. I don't because I could play it you on don't. Wii U, yeah. but I want to play the new one because, you know, we're going to have to talk about it and that's how it works. And, yeah. and I would, you know, all things considered, I would rather play the better performing, better looking version of it because yeah. I'm that kind of graphics whore. Yeah. And, uh, we all are. I mean, it does look, I mean, it does look good. I mean, you compare, you see the Wii U and Wii and you know Switch comparisons. Switch Switch version looks way better. I mean, I, mean, I honestly though, it's, it's a like, resolution change. It's not like a new game. I right? would not recommend anybody buy no, the Switch no. though if they have a Wii U. Just buy Zelda for the Wii U, man. Like, because you're mm. not gonna have anything to play on this thing. Oh, Nothing. No. One like, the, I will say one, one thing, of the reasons are I, lining up for it. Like, yeah. every indie game in the world is being announced for it. One of the reasons good. I ordered the, uh, like, the, I didn't get this, the version of the Master Edition with the statue of the sword or anything, yeah. but I got the, the next one down because it comes with a little case right. for it. And I know that when I finish Zelda, I'm going to put the Switch in that case and put it in a drawer <laughs> until Mario comes out. Because <laughs> I don't care about Mario Kart and I don't care about Splatoon 2. And, yeah. uh and that's really all there is. Yeah. Unless that virtual console is way better than we think it Except is. Except for ARMS. 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 That game's actually starting to surprise me a little bit. They put out tra new trailers today. Their gameplay's deeper than I thought. Like, you can actually like, curve your punches around, like, yeah. obstacles and stuff. So, I'm keeping my mind open for that one. I'm, but... try I'm trying to not think of Wanted when I see yeah, that. I you remember that game? Yeah, the, with the, yeah. the Based on the game, the movie with the bullet curving crap. Yeah. One of the worst things I've ever played. I finished that game in 54 minutes. I'm grasping at straws here, Kyle. 
I'm doing what I no, can. I, I will say this. I mean, I don't know if I'll buy ARMS, but I really like the art style on it. I, it it looks, looks like it looks, Overwatch. It does look like Overwatch, but it's super clean, and it's, yeah. it looks nice. I like it. The animation's cool. I mean... It's a typical Nintendo game that can hide the, the power of its hardware. Right. Well, just like Splatoon. Splatoon is a really good art style, it and it looks, it's just super clean and attractive and, you know, yep. appealing. Not attra- appealing would be the word, I'd yep. say. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about For Honor. I've been playing this game for the last week, probably. Have you got a chance to get in on the beta, Matt? Uh, I have gotten on the beta, but I haven't played it much because... Uh, it's open beta now, by the yeah, way. Anyone re- can play it. It really hates my current graphics card drivers. No. Uh, there's a lot of flickery stuff, so I've been holding up. But they, they did. A, it was a hot fix that I think went up yesterday or the day before, so I haven't tried it since then, so I'll try it again. It's open beta right I mean, now. To Anybody, be honest, you all can go and download it and play it right now. I mean, to be honest, it comes out on t- like Monday night, so I might <laughs> probably just. Does it like, come out Monday night? It comes out on my birthday, 14th. Wait a minute. Oh, that explains it. What? Because Ubisoft said that it was supposed to send out code today, but n- n- there will be no reviews for this game. Yeah, that's beginning to be, to be a trend, isn't it? Because they want to wait till the servers are up. It's the same mm-hmm. old excuse. Mm-hmm. Of, the, only, the old division excuse. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And they're like, I, in fact, I may have code in my inbox right now waiting for me, but yeah, they're like, oh, we're not sending it out because the servers aren't up and you can't really enjoy right. it the way it's supposed to be. Like, <laughs> what about the campaign? I, I, yeah, I don't want to play the multiplayer first. We could be playing the campaign yeah. this whole time. It's really silly. Um, but I have been playing the beta, and I'll say one thing too, the beta is huge, like it's full featured, like it pretty much is the whole multiplayer suite. Mm. I'm shocked at how much there is in this, like there's three different, it's everything, like there's three different modes, it does chop off like a lot of the customization, and you can unlock a lot of the playable characters, but it gives you a couple characters from each of the three classes that you can play, there's still tons of customization. Uh, tons of weapons and items that you can put together. Um, modes. There's like four different modes. That you, dude, it's insane. It's like the whole multiplayer hmm. suite. And it's I think it's open all weekend. So all you sifters, after you stop listening to us, Jibber Jabber, can go and download it for yourself and start playing and find out for yourself. Um, I'll say this. it made To me, it made a really bad first impression. The first couple days I played it, I was not enjoying it that much. And I think part of it was that I got into the beta late. And a lot of people were one way higher level than me and two just understood the game a lot better than I did. Um, But as time went on, I started enjoying it more and more. So one thing I would say to people who are maybe buying it or who are jumping on the beta this weekend, give it some time. I think you'll start enjoying it a little more the more that you play the game. Um, Some modes I enjoy a lot more than others. Like when I first started playing it, I thought the dueling was something that I was going to be really into. Just the one-on-one. Because that's kind of how they showed it first, remember? Mm -hmm. Like the demo was like that battle in that really narrow hallway. And like... Well, also, like, it's been positioned, I think, uh, in terms of how it's been shown, like, as kind of a fighting game. Yeah, a little bit. And I would say that the dueling is my least favorite thing to do in this (laughs) game. It's, they're like best of five rounds, and literally each round takes like ten seconds. Yeah, well. It's. Bushido Blade. And then it takes double that length. It is. And it takes double that length to then load in the next round. It's just, it's pointless and stupid. Playing the team based modes, it, it takes some getting used to because it's almost a little bit like a MOBA because you have these, what they call in a MOBA, like creeps or minions. Just these enemies that basically are taken out with, like, one hit. 
but they serve a purpose. And one, it, is every, any of it as awesome as what we're watching? Yeah. 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 It is pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, this is CG and pre-rendered right, and everything. Right. But the game actually does play like that. Like, you get a huge thrill. Like, when the, the match first starts, you're running, and there's just, like, 50 of your dudes running into battle in front of you. That exhilaration that you get when the game, when every match first starts is awesome. Like, you feel like you're going into a war. And I honestly haven't played a lot of games that feel like that. Like, most games, it's like they have five or six players on your side and they're all human controlled like there's certainly an added element to having all those ai controlled minions on your team mm -hmm. and they serve a tactical purpose too because you can blend in with them and like literally there's like 20 or 30 of your guys fighting 20 or 30 of their guys it's like a war and you can get in there and you can kind of hide and like just start assassinating like the minions or whatever and you get points and and, and stuff like that for doing that the key is trying to spot the enemy in the midst of the chaos and and that's what you want to do like you want to wait till they engage with your minions and then kind of hop up out of your minions and, and attack them because a big part of the combat is kind of getting that first strike because once you get that first strike in on somebody it it's very easy to get discombobulated and kind of lose your composure because the combat system is pretty freaking intense mm -hmm. it's like the left trigger blocks, the right trigger attacks, the top right bumper is like your quick attack. But anytime you're attacking or defending, you have to use the right analog stick to choose the direction that you're blocking. Or mm. And it's hard to read the tells, I think. Like, it's really hard for me to tell whether they're going to come down straight down with an attack or whether they're attacking from the right. Depending on their stance, it's always easy to tell one side that they're coming from. But the other two, whether it's coming vertical or the other direction, is really difficult. And so getting that first jump, if you can land that first attack and kind of stagger them a little bit and then jump in with your quick ones, it's really hard to overcome. Like in mm. the duels, you can see some of this duel footage here. It's like whoever really gets in that first blow and kind of knocks the other person back, it just kind of ends the fight like right there. Well, you kind of you can then like sort of dictate the rhythm of the fight. Right. But it's like once you get that first, you can see right here, it's like a snowball. Once you get that first attack in, you get you get flustered you discombobulate it and suddenly you're like well wait i'm trying to attack i hold the right oh no i need to block i gotta hold the left trigger and then you're trying to tilt that right analog stick in the right direction it's chaos but there's a lot more strategy in the team-based games where it's actually like five on five or whatever and you have all these minions involved because you're like capturing points there's like domination modes essentially and you have to be really careful because what it's yeah <laughs> It's, and it's over. Yeah. It's very easy to find yourself in a place where you just get completely overwhelmed by mm -hmm. the enemy. It's like if you go up to try to capture a point and you don't have a couple guys with you, because the minions don't really go, don't really stray. There's like a front in each battle where they kind of stay and fight each other. And then that leaves like the control points for, every, for the human players to kind of try and capture. And if you end up at a control point and you're the only one there, the enemy runs up with two of them and they just wipe you out. So... There's a lot of kind of contrivances with the game, um, and it, teamwork's really important. Most I was playing on uh, PS4 where nobody has freaking headsets still. Is this you playing? Uh, this is me playing, yeah, okay. totally. And um, it's hard to communicate, and it does require like a lot of communication as far as saying, okay, well, let's all go for A at this mm -hmm. point, or hey, they're taking A, let three of us go up there, because 
if you go to A and they have three people there and you run in there, you just get slaughtered. Right. So it's a look. I've, I will say I've never played a game quite like it. It has this whole kind of uh, meta game going on with territories where you pick like one of the three factions, and then like there's a cumulative score that goes on with all the games with one faction versus another, and it keeps like this uh, worldwide score for each season. Um, I don't know what happens when you get six months into a season and one of the factions is winning by a landslide, like because then. It, what, how does that convince people to join the other factions? Like, there's all this balancing stuff that needs to come into play. Um, Everybody but, loves an underdog. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to convince people to make sure it stays balanced and keep people sort of picking those, those other factions. But uh, there's no other game like it. It's a little bit like a first-person shooter. It's a little bit like a MOBA. Um, it's a little bit like Dynasty Warriors with the hack-and-slash kind of element to it um and then there's like the bushido blade like instant death you could die at every confrontation type element to it so i still don't feel like i've become good at the combat i still feel like i'm learning and trying to become proficient at it and so it becomes second nature so i'm not thinking that's interesting how like you were fighting that guy and then your minions came up and sort of like ruined it for him yeah like that's uh yeah i mean like, i see the moba comparison there yeah yeah i mean there's there's some random stuff that happens, and I think that that kind of makes it fun. Um, and then as far as the multiplayer stuff is, like, the customization is so deep. Of course, there's, like, these crates or packs or whatever that you can, like, unlock with in-game currency. Well, of course, or it's if a video game. Money. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole <laughs> rec pack thing going on. Um, and, look, a lot of the stuff is just cosmetic as far as how you look and things like that. But, look, there are – you can build, like, your weapon. Like, you build, like, a, a like a sword from, like, three parts. There's, like, the blade and the hilt and the handle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those, those elements actually do play into your abilities. Um, and there's, like, you know, obviously tons of cosmetic stuff that you can unlock as well. I'd love to see, like, EA steal some of the ideas in this game for a Jedi game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that might... But you have to have a third faction, right? <laughs> you got Jedi and Sith and, you know... Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, who's the third uh, faction? The Knights of Rat. There's a whole bunch of other people you can use. Um, I'm just saying the combat style. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Like, look, I'm... In, like, kind of trying to capture the idea of the strategy of, you know, melee combat without making it too simple or too annoying. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I would play this over the long... This moment right here. Like, when you take off and, like, you're... Mm -hmm team is all running yeah exactly like it 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 feels good like when you first take off and you have like this army like in front of you and then it becomes a game of like trying to pick out like the and the human controlled enemies mm -hmm. out of the the mobs essentially it's uh like i said it's like a game i've never played before i don't know what kind of staying power it's gonna have um i'm definitely in, i mean i'm still getting it i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely play it i'm looking forward to it I mean, I am looking forward to the campaign probably more than the multiplayer, if I'm being honest, because I like the, the, you know, that's why I'll learn to combat and then I'll try to dig into the multiplayer and see if it's something that I think, you know, carries over properly to, you know, the slightly laggy, slightly annoying world of online multiplayer. But, yeah, and look, there's like layers of depth in the combat as well. Like if somebody's blocking, like you can hit uh, like the square button to break their block and then you can hit it mm. again to throw them. There's... I mean, I, I, you know, I played it at, uh, at E3 last year, and uh, I got it. I mean, I got it pretty quick. And, There's also uh, a lot of running after people, yeah. I've found. Because what happens is, when you start to win a battle, they just run away. 
And so there's a lot of this like, oh, well, three of us chasing after one of them who's like running away. And I think in a lot of ways too, like there's a huge advantage to being as fast as possible. Being able to deliver Mm -hmm. strikes as quickly as possible. Like it doesn't feel like there's a lot of balance between the armor and the speed, I guess is a good way to put it. Like I feel like... Ooh, it took your head off on that one. Yeah, there's finishers. Nice. And, uh... I would say, you know, they have time to balance it, but they don't because the right. game comes like out in like now. four days from now. So, obviously, any game in today's day and age is a work in progress. It can be updated with patches and things like that. Um, you know, I, I do give it bonus points just for the fact that it is unlike anything I've played before. Uh, I haven't really got a chance to play much with the campaign much. Just a little bit that I played at trade shows. Yep, yeah, better run, dude. Yeah, see, now he runs away. <laughs> see, this is what happens. Guys, well, because one of your other teammates showed up so he can't win so he's got to get away this but then you end up chasing like the, yeah. this is yeah, part let him. this is part of the game though is like the running after mm-hmm. people when they try to when he's away. trying to lead you to somewhere where he has the advantage right now you're behind all these dudes and then i i think i still chase him up the ladder though well it is, it is you <laughs> that's 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 me exactly <laughs> Can so, take, you can take the samurai out of Philly, but... <laughs> <laughs> I will say this much. I think I do regret my draft pick of this game. Oh, yeah? I do, don't not, think it's gonna... I do not think it's going to score especially well. I kind of felt that way, too. I mean, I always, I've known for a long time that this is going to be something I like. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to make it something a lot of people like. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, this is not me like saying, like, Yakuza is amazing. If you care about story and weirdness, you should totally play it. This might be a real acquired taste. Yep. You might have to really want to like it. Yep. We'll see. Um, the game comes out in just a few days, so you'll yeah. be able to find out. You can actually find out for yourself if you're going to. You probably, from the beta alone, will be able to figure out whether you want to buy it or not. Because the combat stays the same across every mode. That's not going to change. So if you find that you don't really care for the combat, and I do think it's a little clunky using the right analog stick for stuff. Like, yeah, I really liked that when I played did you? last like, at E3. I, 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 just, I just clicked with it real fast. Even the guy who was demoing it's like, wow, you figured that out real fast. I'm like, it's a fighting game instinct thing. It's just, yeah, I, I, I understand. That's not instinctual to use the right analog stick to like block to the right or Well, block it's not like left. something I ever, like you say, it's not something I ever played before, but the concept of it made sense to me. And maybe it's because I also played a fair amount of Die by the Sword back in the day, which was that, was that, was that Treyarch? No, that was no. never soft. That was that was yeah, before yeah. The, before right. Tony Hawk. Um, just the idea of like the positioning of the weapon versus the position of their weapon is like an interesting, you know, kind of mind game to me. And like you know, there's a lot of that in you know that, that's basically the same as the overhead game in a in a two D fighting game. Yeah. And uh, so it just it just made strategic sense to me. And granted, I was only playing against in the campaign at the because their demo E three last year was the campaign. So I have never played this against a human. Um, like you were there, so yeah. so the nuance of that might go out the window when you've got some dude, you know, you know Johnny eight four nine four twenty is uh, figured out that like the overhead strike of the Viking like breaks the block no matter what you right. do, and now it's just like what? Well, okay. The other part too is that the AI you get tells like there's a flash to show right. you like right. whether they're attacking from this or this, and when you're fighting against the human opponents you don't well it looks like with human opponents you just have to learn what it looks like when they do everything which is which is you know again another fighting game thing i wonder if that's going to be a barrier uh because that's the thing is like how i don't know how you know obviously we don't know tutorials or how it eases you into the multiplayer or whatever if that's different in the final version but like you know a lot of people are just going to assume you're going to run in swinging and uh maybe not people play dark souls but like um 
because uh, you are running out of stamina in some of this footage. Yeah. Uh, because like I don't think people are used to that lot, idea. You lose stamina. Yeah. A lot of people, if you don't play that, you know, the Soulsborns, like I feel like you're not going to be used to the idea that you can't just keep attacking. It, and if, especially when you're like you're talking about like running out with all the like, you just yeah. want to go, go kill 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 yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like learning that discipline is a very and, you know, and to me, that's really interesting. But I can see that being like a turnoff to like people who just want to jump in and hit stuff. Yeah, you know? I think maybe that's what the single player campaign is for. Yeah, yeah, that could be. All right, let's move on to our trailer of the week. God, they're already trying to get me to make you play Neo for like Easter or something. <laughs> like, so for like, Easter, they just want to see you suffer through. You guys relish in my pain. What's going on here, man? Hasn't I had a rough enough year already? I don't well, get try, it. Try Neo and maybe you'll like it and you can do it for fun. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, our trailer of the week this week, I don't know if you guys remember the game The Technomancer. Probably one of the games I regret playing the most in the last 10 years of my life. My favorite thing about that was how you were describing stuff and I'm like, I haven't played Technomancer but I did play Mars Warlock before. And I'm like, was it like this? And you're like, yeah, it's exactly this. And I was like, they yeah. just made the same thing again except now you've got to you're like a technomancer. But yeah. I think you became you became a technomancer in Mars Warlogs anyway. So like, right. what did they do? No, it was the same universe. Yeah. So yeah. Spiders, the developer behind that, is working on a also, brand new game. Also, what a weird name. I know it is so weird. But if you remember when I played Technomancer, I felt like it was just so close to being mm-hmm. getting over the top. And uh, maybe this is the game where Spiders finally just gets there. Uh, it seems a, pretty cool. It looks. This game looks awesome, people. It's called Greedfall. Uh, Open world action RPG, just like Technomancer, set in the 17th century, where you play as some as one of many people trying to settle a mysterious island. And I'm not going to spoil anything else. This is the debut trailer. Check it out. Good to see the fiend from Witcher Three is still getting work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that trailer owes something to several different games. Yeah, it's also nice to see Hatham Kennedy from Assassin's Creed exactly. still getting work. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's like, but uh, <laughs> like I said to you when when the trailer was running, like we're really just waiting for Spiders to make their first great non janky game. Yeah, and they're right there. They are really close with Technomancer, yeah. and this could know. be it. Keep an eye on that one. That's why we use it in the show because I look. There's a lot of ton of good trailers. Project Cars 2 first trailer came out this week, or actually second, 
But the, the first, since we did our last episode, and I chose to run this one instead, I just feel like a lot of times people always watch Game Face. You know, our subscribers mm-hmm. watch Game Face no matter what, but they miss some of the cooler stuff that goes through the curation. So I try to use the trailer of the week sometimes to kind of turn them on to stuff that maybe they had missed. So mm-hmm. that's one of those games from the last week. Uh, totally forgot to ask you guys for questions before I threw to the trailer. Yeah, they're My doing mistake, it. but it seems like you guys are well trained and you're just doing it anyway. Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, it says uh, Veritas. It says it does show you which direction a human opponent is swinging. I didn't notice that when I was playing it, so thanks for the heads up on that. Um, here's one from the Legacy. What are your thoughts on Zenimax winning the lawsuit? Did it really win though? Yeah. It got money. It got money, but it got, got paid, son. It got a quarter of the money it was lurk looking for. Yeah, but that's also kind of the strategy of asking for that much yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, you always aim high and hope that it comes somewhere in the middle, but mm-hmm. that wasn't in the middle. That was the bottom mm-hmm. of what they had hoped for. It was still in their favor. So. Yeah, I mean, they had to pay, and yeah, I guess Oculus didn't. But they didn't really win the case, though. Yeah, like, they, they won because lucky. They didn't win all their counts, but they violated an NDA. Yeah. That's they got, it. They got something. Like, what they really wanted to go after was Carmack for mm-hmm. taking the, the... The court case was over them stealing Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. That's why they wanted the $2 billion. What they got in the end was, yeah, Lucky violated an NDA. They didn't get Carmack, which is who they were going after, yeah. really. He's still pissed, though. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. I love that. I love seeing him come back firing afterwards, but... I don't know. I wouldn't really say ZeniMax won. I'm sure ZeniMax is happy they got half a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, I think I think Oculus got a black eye out of it. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world for them. They him. need to get rid of Lucky first of all. Well, yeah. What good is that guy at this point? He's just a problem. He's an anchor. Somewhat. I mean, at this point, he's probably in a situation where, like, either he's still under contract or he's just like. They don't want him to work for anybody else. You know, you just you, it's like you pay a guy, you put him on retainer. Well, he's under a no compete already. I mean, yeah, but at any you know, for however long you put him under retainer and just keep him in a closet somewhere, and you know, just, just so he's not giving his ideas to anybody else. Although I mean, I'm guessing at this point he's not, he's not going to work anymore. He's just getting paid. Probably, and they're waiting yeah. for his contract to expire, and they're like, when that's done, that's done. We make mm. you sign, or they say maybe they had cl- a clause where they could terminate his contract, and they say, look. You sign this paperwork that says you won't disparage us when you leave. Basically, right. like a severance package. But it's also thing. in their best, you know, image interest to keep him as long as they can because now you've just spent all this money and all this time in this lawsuit arguing that Carmack's work totally didn't. You know, that basically they said that Lucky's stuff. You know, and Carmack was claiming too that Lucky's work was is really what the Oculus is based on and not like the stuff he was doing. So if you then just turn around and be like, okay, Lucky, go away, like that indicates he is not nearly as valuable to you as Carmack, which says something about where you think the ideas are coming from. Well, I think we all know where the ideas are right. coming from. <laughs> right, but you can't just say that. Right. You, know, you, you have to make it look like you need Palmer Lucky around yeah. for that. Um, it's, you know, especially after you've just gone through this court, court proceeding. So uh, I think we should expect to see him uh, a silent and unseen part of Oculus for a while yet. A while yet. Here's one from W. Matthew. If the Switch fails, where do you think Nintendo goes? Full mobile, handheld, PS4, Xbox One, or both? I don't think they go third party yet. I think they just keep trying. Yeah, they have enough money. They can just keep on trying. Yeah. Uh, the Wii... Made them a lot yeah. of money. I feel like it. I feel like with the Switch, if it fails, they'll kind of ride it longer than they did with the Wii U. Like, because it's you know, I, it's you can only start 
you can only make the core demographic sort of wary about buying your hardware at so launch so many times before yeah. you be making a big problem. And then you don't even have that two million. Waiting to yeah, buy they're your just not going to trust you anymore. So I feel like they have to. They have to go. They have to run the marathon with the switch. Well, I think one thing I would say is I don't think the switch is going away anytime soon, even if it fails. I think. Right. Ultimately, the Switch is going to become its new handheld. Yeah, and, like, it, and it might end up like a Vita thing. And know? they'll end up putting out a version that has a much better battery life and blah, blah, blah. Right. And they'll end up selling it for cheaper. But I think ultimately, the Switch becomes Nintendo's handheld. Eventually, Nintendo will put out a new console. It'll still have the Switch around for people to play on the go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. You know, I think that's why they made it this way as much as any other reason is that, you know, it is guaranteed to have a lifespan much longer than the Wii U had, no matter what, because right. it's a handheld. So, And you can sell incremental upgrades of it, and if you introduce a full dedicated console at some point, three or four years down the line, it doesn't. it's not going to feel like you're replacing it. It's not it. pointless. It right. still has functionality, because you, unless right. their next one is just the Switch 2 or whatever. Which, yeah. Hey, it could be, or it would be the Switch U, wouldn't it? Oh, the Switch. <laughs> Switch. <laughs> it's only sold in Sweden. So. Uh, uh, let's see. Vox ninety one. Between the two Ubisoft games releasing within a month apart from each other, which has a better chance of selling well, For Honor or Ghost Recon Wildlands? That's a good question. I'm gonna say Ghost Recon probably sell better. Hmm. I just feel like dudes in the brush with co-op and guns is going to sell Yeah, out. I agree. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's just based upon the screenshots on the back of the box. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm way more interested in For Honor, but like, yeah. I'm certainly not going to pretend that my preferences are in any way indicative of, right. or, or mirroring sell? of the market. I think, yeah. I think Ghost Recon is much more uh, a mainstream appeal. It's an open world action game. It's going to sell better killing drug dealers teaming yeah. up with your buddies like just think about the tv commercials of yeah the, two the tv games. commercials are going to be exa- uh, yeah for sure yeah and there you know there hasn't really been a good you know open worldy co-op you know spec ops military-ish thing for a while uh not that was wasn't first person i guess yeah so i, I think it'll i think it'll have some appeal here's a good one from justin horman uh with playground games making a not racing game and gorilla games with the upcoming Horizon Zero Dawn, what other studio would you like to see be given a chance to do something completely off from what they've be, they've known for so long? And what kind of game would you like to see them try to make? Hmm. Retro Studios for me. I'd like to see Naughty Dog make an RPG. You know what I thought of today was Naughty Dog making a Castlevania game. Hmm. I don't know why. It just popped into my head. I'm like, I even thought yeah. of like I... being in a press. I imagine myself sitting in a press event in a chair. <laughs> and watching this trailer come up, and me being like, having the seeing the Naughty Dog logo, and then seeing Belmont walk in, and everybody going, yeah. "Oh my god!" I, mean, I, I would love, I would love to see making Castlevania. I mean, I love to see From Software making Castlevania games. Well, they kind of already, already are, but like, <laughs> you know, get you actually get Konami off their ass to do something other than like a porn version of Bomberman. Yeah. Um, what the hell was that? Uh, um, yeah, Bomber, Bomber girl. Woman. Yeah, Bomber Girl. What? I know. Um, and then uh, I guess one of the I would like to see Clay. Is it Clay? Clee? The Clee. that makes uh, you know the. I would like to see them make a two D Metroid. No, not a bad choice. I would like to see Retro make an open world action game. Mm. They have obviously the skill to do just about anything. They've Actually, made... I have a question for you, kind of sort of related. Okay. Um, what did you think of that ukulele uh, footage on, in the casino level that came out? 
Yeah. Yeah. Little drab. And it's like, that's a Banjo-Kazooie game with yeah. all the good and bad that implies. It is, yeah. For better or worse. Right down to the, the constant, like, vocalization sound effect things that are just like, really? 20 hours of it? <laughs> well, because I, I was thinking that with Banjo-Kazooie, because, because um, that was when I was, I was living uh, in my parents' house, and my dad would come in and work on the computer in my room, and it was, he, was, he would sit right next to the TV, so the speakers would be right next to him, and there was always an, a volume battle on that. Yeah. And I remember I got Banjo-Kazooie, and I was playing it the first day, and of course Banjo-Kazooie's like, yeah, yeah. And after about 10 minutes, he just turns around and looks at the, looks at the TV, <laughs> and then looks at me and goes, Really? <laughs> and when I'm watching that ukulele footage, I'm just like, yep, that's, really? that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Like, really? Like, I think what's most concerning to me is that they released that chunk of game. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. That was under, as someone who drafted that game, I was like, oh, it doesn't look terrible. No, no. It, it just it, looks uninspired. Right. It looks like Banjo 3. As if it came out came two out years after Banjo it was Two, right? To come out. Right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I was a little, little disconcerting. But anyway, back to your question: Retro Studios open world action game. They're proficient. They've proven they're proficient at just about everything else. This is all that's left. And obviously, on a technical level, they're they're quite up there. So I would love to see what they could do with that kind of a game design. Uh, anything else? Uh, the stand user. How do you feel about? Game trailers that don't show gameplay. Eh, I'm fine if that's your first trailer. I guess I would say, like, if you want to give me like first a, and the last. Yeah, if you want to give me like a big like spectacle to like get me excited the first time I see it. Yeah. But there better be some you know some meat, some in in, in, in engine meat in the middle there. Yeah, I'm okay. Like the first trailer when it's trying to sell me on the concept and the yeah. whole idea yeah. and the tone and everything, I'm okay with that. And then the big CG trailer for the launch trailer. Just to just rekindle that hype. Because what happens over the, mar- the course of a marketing campaign for a game is it starts to fade. Like, I'm seeing it right now on Sifted with Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be anything we curated for that game just boom. Like, did the most views of anything from that mm-hmm. day, without a doubt. Did tons of comments. Now that we're getting into the meat of its marketing schedule, where we're literally getting new media every day for that game. You can just watch it. Yeah. I think also people are kind of like they're on media blackout. Yeah, they that wanna, could they be. Wanna, certainly for me, some people are burning out. Like I like, watch the stuff you tell me to watch before the show for like that game, but yeah. otherwise I'm not going to look at it because like, look, I'm sold. Like I'm in. Yeah. Like I don't need to see anymore, frankly. But then is that, that for me? But right, so it hits that lull. Every game does it. Right, and then you need that like exclamation and point boom. right at the yeah, end. Yeah, like, yeah, to yeah. just get people to pull out their wallets and give up that money. Yeah, like, give us that one more thing you haven't. Oh. One more thing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm cool with first and last. Anything, any CG in the middle, screw that. That's insane. Once I know you exist, I just need to know what you do. Yeah. More more than what, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, Congrim one. Do you reckon E3's extra revenue, I love the word reckon, of 3.65 million in ticket sales will allow it to have more game setups, less lines... Tournaments, etc., and make it more of an event to attend. Here's what I will tell you: E3 is going to take all that money and run. Yeah. <laughs> and even if it did result in that, it wouldn't be till the next year. Yeah, yeah. It like would, it would, the people, if, if it works, you'll see the publishers kind of change the booths up to sort of accommodate that better. 
There's here's the thing though. There's no room left. So not really. No. There's a couple areas like the back where there's maybe a corner where you could put another booth, but it's pretty much filled up the LA Convention Center already. So mm. and they already even some stuff spilled out into the main halls in the front lobby. Yeah. I mean, Payday's been up in the Payday Two has been in the somehow been in the yeah. corner of like the entry stairwell <laughs> for like four years. I don't know how. They won't give it up. Uh, but Matt's right. Like, if anything's going to change, it'll change for next year once they have that money in their pocket. If you think E3 and the ESA is going to put out that money on its own, you cray. It ain't happening. <laughs> it is not happening. I like this one. Surf Spider, VR or Switch, which is the better way to throw your money away? <laughs> I'm saying the Switch. Just purely because it has Zelda. Yeah. I guarantee you Zelda's going to be better than anything on VR right Guaranteed. now. Guaranteed. Yeah. No well, question. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than Resident Evil. I'm hoping it'll be better I mean, than Resident Evil. I mean, yeah, there's some amazing... Like, some of the VR stuff i played is the most, like, amazing thing I've... You know, but it's like saying, you know, would you rather play Pac-Man or Zelda? It's like... Yeah. It's like one is like a five-minute arcade, sh you know, shot of heroin, and the other is like a 60-hour thing. It's like yeah. there's no comparison. For there. some people, Resident Evil 7 will be... They'll think it's a better game, though, depending on their tasting games. Well... You're not okay, one of them, okay. but for some people. <laughs> um, do you think you'll be one of them? I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, Resident Evil 7 isn't like a game of the year contender or anything. Okay. At least I don't think so, unless this year really goes down the crapper. Um, and I would hope that Zelda would be at that level, but I didn't have, I'm not passing any judgment. Yeah, we don't I mean, know yet. Literally, all I've played, I've played around in the overworld, and the overworld right. seems kind of dull to me. So, we'll see. I like climbing stuff. I think that sucks. I think it's really boring. Yeah, but I'm a big stupid. Shadow of the Colossus fan. So. <laughs> Although, uh, to be fair, you're just climbing rocks and not moving things, so it's not as exciting. Yeah. You're not excited to upgrade your stamina bar? No. no. I'm excited to upgrade it or make it go away. Upgrade to the point you don't have to think about it anymore? Yeah, pretty much. It'd be the first you're, thing I upgrade. You're a Dark Souls player already. <laughs> uh, good question, Congrim, by the way. Uh, let's see, is there anything else? Do you think the South Park game is in trouble from Kills with Kindness? Um, Where's Vin Hill at? He could have told. He could just. Yeah. He could be in the chat. And he could tell us if he wouldn't have bailed know. on the site. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, you would think that they'd have that kind of down, but it is a new developer. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't slip to next year because that's on my draft. I think it's in trouble. Yes, I think yeah. it is. If it wasn't in trouble. It well, would have been delayed twice already. Well, the other one got delayed, too, and it turned out pretty well. Yeah, it was delayed once, if I remember correctly, mm. though. Delaying a game twice is a huge red flag. Think about it. Zelda. <laughs> Nintendo's kind of exempt from that, I think, though. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. though. Because Nintendo, you know Nintendo's not going to put out a game until it's right. Third parties will put out the game when it's not mm -hmm. right. Or it'll end up canceling it. Nintendo's never going to cancel Breath of the Wild. That's what I, right. They will work on it until they get it where they want I mean, it. I, just, I, we don't, I don't think we know enough about what's happening with that game to know one way I'm just speaking from experience. Haven't, haven't been in the industry this long. Yeah, but like, I think there's a number of cooks in that kitchen because it's a licensed property that the license holders are very involved sure. in. So sure. it, it could have been something as much as like, you know, Trey saw it was just like, no, this isn't working. We got to like do something different here like i don't know who has the power on that game to do something like that um we'll see i mean yeah i mean it feels like they have that formula pretty much down from the first game it feels weird that they'd be having trouble now you now here's the thing the developers are not doing the job yeah i mean that's exactly what it, i mean look they went and looked at the game and they said okay this is what needs to be done and then they said okay well we can get this done by x day 
they didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. And then Ubisoft comes back in again and says, "Okay, we want you want to polish it or whatever." And get how long is it going to take you to do that? It's going to take us this long. They didn't get it done. The developers are not getting the work mm-hmm. done in the amount of time it says it's going to get it done. The game's in trouble. And you mean, get shown up in terms of release timing by Obsidian. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, yes. Do I think it's never going to come out? Or it's going to get canceled? No. But I do think mm. the game's in trouble, and Ubisoft is probably mm. freaking out about now. Because this isn't like Bridge Crew gets delayed from like end of March to end of May. This is like fiscal year seventeen. Oh yeah, they're now they're. I mean, they're like between March, between April and next March. Right. They like, could have delayed it a whole year. So, yes, I think it is in trouble. Um. I can only really answer two more. Here's one from Coinop TV. What's up? Uh, Shane, what are your tips for not getting trampled by 15K public fanboys at E3 this year? Just don't be there. Yeah, go to the, <laughs> go to the fig. <laughs> I mean, there's really no reason to be there when the doors open up right, to get trampled. Right. Like, if you have a press pass, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're at E3 and you look around, around, you know, like when the doors are opening, you will see me and Shane and Sessler and every, we will all be sitting around having coffee or... Or just, we will not be near the entrance way. Like you, just just let people run, get in line for Mario, and come in when you need to come in. Yeah. All right, one more question. Suicide King asking if we saw the Halo 2 live-action commercials. Oh, yeah, they're great. You see the one where one, he's a used car salesman, the other one, he's on a plane fighting over the armrests, like General Mm -hmm. Atriox or whatever? Hmm. Oh, they're really good. They're they're on the site right now. They're curated, so you can check them out. Um, Stick of Truth got delayed for two years, they're saying. Yeah. Stick of Truth disappeared for a while. Stick of Tooth. (laughs) Uh, Let's see if I can find one more GX Gear How long do you think we're away from complete digital distribution? What can brick and mortar stores like GameStop do to remain relevant? I don't know Another generation at least Yeah, I think we're 5 to 10 years I think closer to 10 Um it is coming faster than I thought. Yeah, I'll say that much. Um, but I think what we, and I don't know if you saw the discussion earlier about GameStop, but I think how these stores survive is on the used game mm. market. They're they I become feel, I, even more of a pawn shop than they are now. I mean, digital is is good, like especially for stuff that someone knows. You know, like say I'm sure like your average consumer would not really have a big problem buying say. Call of Duty or GTA 5 digitally because yeah. you know you're going to play that for a long time. You're going to play the multiplayer for a long time. It's going to be something that keeps give on giving. But I feel like there's a substantial chunk of the market that is never going to give up the ability to trade their game back in and get something else. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, wanna, I don't, I don't want to go digital. I will keep buying box copies of games as long as I'm buying games. It's, it's just too simple. It's like I can look at my collection... Of games, mm-hmm. and there's value there. There is something tangible there. It's not ones and zeros. It's just, it's just you run into something like say, okay, this is not a great great example in the sense of like value, 
But, um, like, say, Street Fighter V. Like, I have a physical copy of Street Fighter V that I got through an Amazon pricing error for, like, ten bucks. Um, <laughs> it was, like, three weeks after the game came wow. out. Wow. Some, some, yeah, lucky. Yeah, and so, um, uh, so I have that game. Mm-hmm. That disc is worthless because it's been updated so many times. It's not Street Fighter V anymore, basically. It's, it's whatever's on that disc is, like, some kind of, like, embryo of, of, <laughs> of what the game That's is expected it. to be. Yeah. So you've got to wonder, like, how useful is that game on, on this, especially if you hit a point sometime in the future where you can no longer download that update. Well, that is just... One that's game. a whole that's separate just one, that's one game. game, but I think you know games all have updates and they all have day one updates. They all have fixes. Look, most games patches. are playable from beginning to end as they are on the disc. In fact, I would say ninety-eight percent of games, two percent are broken. No, I would mm. say even higher than that. Like ninety-nine point five percent of games, whatever comes on the disc, you can play from beginning to end and finish it. I mean, that's, that's never going to change. So that's not the same as having the ideal experience of that game. But if you're talking about, like, like you're me... To, if you're trying to play... As I, like I said earlier, when I'm 65, I'm going to sell my whole game collection and just take the money and use it for retirement or whatever. Nobody's going to care. But then what are you going to do? What, are you, what am I going to do? If you're retired, you sell all your games, what are you going to play? I'm going to buy the new games that oh, are coming okay. out. <laughs> but I won't have a collection after that because everything will be digital. Mm. <laughs> But, and everyone be like, you put a disc in the machine, that's like a baby's toy. Yeah, I mean, like 30 years from now, no one's going to care about the digital version of a game. They're going to care about that actual copy yeah. of a game. Yeah, so, well, or you're talking about trying to unload your collection of 8-tracks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what they're going to be like whenever yeah. I get to retire. They're going to be like, what? Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. So, that's it. We've already gone over this. Maybe the longest episode of Game Face ever, actually. I don't know how. It seemed like we didn't have any topics, and yet we managed to just... I tell, You always say, like, oh, we're light on topics. I'm like, we'll talk for three hours. I tell, we, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be a problem. I don't know how we do it. It's really bizarre, we're, but uh, we've, we've done it yet again. We've, we've drone on like old men. That's, that's <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> this, is, this is our porch, basically. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, it looks like a ton of you guys stuck around right until the end, which we really appreciate. I hope everybody has an awesome weekend. Uh, Download the For Honor beta. Everybody can play it right now. Tell us if we're crazy. Before we go, we have one more thing, though. We have a brand-new member of Sifted Elite for this Mm. week, and I love his username, The Game Yak. Welcome to Sifted Elite, brother. You got your greens, and we appreciate your donation very, very much. And people, buy those damn t-shirts. <laughs> it's so pathetic. My sister came to visit me for my birthday this weekend, and so she needed the spare bedroom. And so I had to pick up all the boxes of t-shirts, <laughs> haul them into our bedroom, which now looks like Sanford and Son, <laughs> so that she had a place to stay and then as soon as she left, my wife was like, get these damn boxes of t-shirts out of here. And I have to pick them all up and move them right back into the bedroom. It would be so much easier if I, we just sold them. Yeah. And you, you should guys, do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing what I can, man. I don't need any more. Like, I've already, I've got two of each one. Like, I don't need any more shirts. You guys need shirts. So, anyway, everyone have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. On behalf of Matt and Sam, the Patriots fan, the luckiest MFer. I've ever known. <laughs> but, uh, that was like watching a cheat code in real life. It really that was. was. That was insane. In freaking insane. But uh, have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>